Redemption. Raging Review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's your team ready? Who's your team ready? Yes, sir! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies, gentlemen, children, babies, Cajun Nation, hello once again, good evening, and welcome to another edition of the Raging Review Podcast. We have a lot to talk about tonight. I'm Jerry. Joining me is Nick, Josh. Gentlemen, baseball season's here, diamond sports, full-fledged games, competition, everything happening tonight. Basketball season, really getting to the final stretch. Lots happening. How y'all doing? Got a lot to talk about. First of all, why do you keep saying babies? Because like what baby is going to like log into YouTube or whatever and watch this? That's the weirdest thing ever. That's a weird. It's a cash money reference. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Seriously? He doesn't know cash money. Like he's going to act like he knows it now that you mentioned it, but he has no idea what you're talking about. That's a solid point. (laughs) Dude, it's literally in the beginning of Go DJ, one of Lil Wayne's first big hits. What's wrong with y'all? Come on. And well, knowledge has from, been dropped. You are from New Orleans. You told us that like a hundred times, so you would know. Well, then why would you yeah. ask? Why would you ask? Just assume that I know that stuff, okay? <laughs> Anyways, how are you guys tonight? I know, look, baseball's still playing right now. They look like they pretty much have this game under control. Knock on wood. Softball just won their 31st straight game over Louisiana Tech. Pretty cool thing uh, to say. Pretty fun, fun fact. But uh, what's going on, guys? Look, I'm gonna be honest with you. I feel like crap. I I probably am gonna like collapse at some point tonight. Either that, or I'm gonna drink enough whiskey to kill everything in my body, including myself. So we're gonna see how this progresses during the the course of this show. So I started with a little bit and a lot of coke. We're gonna see how this goes. It might be very entertaining by the entertain by the end of the night. Who knows what happens? Hey, you know what? You're being you're being a trooper. You're here. That's all that matters. Everybody needs a Jordan game, and this is going to be Nick's Jordan game. Uh, no, feeling good. Baseball season, a lot to talk about. Positively giddy about the roster and uh, what we saw in the Teague this weekend, so I can't wait to get in the baseball. I know we have some other riffraff to cover, but uh, I'm, I'm excited. Had a good night of practice on the soccer uh, pitch with the girls and the boys, so uh, I'm fired up, man. Feeling good. Very nice. Very nice. Well, before we get into it, uh, like I mentioned, baseball is still playing right now. They are in the they're in the bottom of the eighth, leading Magnese by the score of 11 to two. Softball just pulled off a nice win against Louisiana Tech. Again, 31 straight wins against the Dogs by the score of nine to three. But before we get into all of that, let's talk about our sponsors for a second. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining Raging Review for another weekly episode. We just like to encourage you to patronize our great sponsors like Dr. Brett Venable and Recovery Cairo Med. 
Have you been in a car accident or hurt yourself lifting on the job? Are you having neck pain or back pain, but really don't want to deal with a long, drawn-out process? Then call the chiropractor Raging Cajun athletes use for their neck and back pain, Dr. Brett Venable. The bottom line is, you just need to feel better. You need to get better quickly. That's where Dr. Brett Venable comes in to make all the difference. Dr. Venable and his integrated team of rehab, chiropractic, and medical doctors have three locations in Acadiana to serve you. Opelousas, New Iberia, and of course, main office in Lafayette. Dr. Brett Venable is one of very few chiropractors recognized by the state of Louisiana as a chiropractic specialist. He is also the only chiropractor in the Cajuns Healthcare Alliance and the only chiropractor on the board at Tulane School of Professional Advancement. Before you start to stress about the process, remember, this is exactly why you pay for car insurance. These situations are exactly why you carry workman's comp. There's no need for a court date. Your first call should be to Dr. Brett Venable and his great team at Recovery Cairo Med. No hassle, no waiting, and quick relief. Come and find out what our Raging Cajun athletes and over 10,000 Acadiana residents already know. For more information, call the Lafayette office at 337-988-2188 or visit recoverychiromed.com, recoverychiromed.com. We'd like to thank Dr. Brett Venable for being an RCAF member and the exclusive chiropractic sponsor of the Raging Review podcast. Also, huge thank you to Absolutely Embroidery and More. We know how much Cajun Nation loves their gear. At Raging Review, we get our gear from Ms. Phyllis Thibodeau and the team at Absolutely Embroidery and More. Absolutely has a massive inventory of Raging Cajun apparel to choose from. If you can't find something you like, Absolutely can make something you'll like right there in the shop. And if your creation proves to be a popular item with customers, Absolutely will give you a little incentive for helping out with the cause. Bring in your vermilion and white shirts, hats, shorts, socks, dresses, jackets, sweaters, or whatever garment you need to represent the Cajuns. Absolutely also offers customized embroidery services to promote your business on hats, polos, uniforms, etc. Absolutely rounds out the collection with an assortment of exciting accessories for the lady Cajuns in your life. Earrings, headbands, bracelets, clutches, and bags are just a few options to complete her spicy look. Pass by 3010 Collie Saloon Roan in Lafayette and see the wonderful ladies at Absolutely Embroidery and More today. They'll treat you to quality Cajun clothing, complimentary gourmet cookies, and a friendly conversation. And if you're an out-of-town raging Cajun, visit them on the web at absolutelyembroideryandmore.com or visit their social channels on Instagram or Facebook. There, you'll find pictures of what the ladies are putting on the shelves in real time. Once again, folks, please support local businesses and please support businesses that support the Raging Cages and especially the Raging Review Podcast. Once again, special thanks to our sponsors, Dr. Brett Venable, Recovery Chiromed, and Absolutely Embroidery and More. I actually had the chance to go to Absolutely Embroidery and More uh, over the weekend to get some cool Cajuns gear. They do have some uh, new gear out there if you're looking for some vintage as well as uh, modern Cajun uh, gear as far as like the new, the newer logos, the stack logos. They're always having, they always have something new when it comes to Cajun gear. So go check it out. They also have their, I think they have some Easter apparel if you're looking to, you know, do some getting to, to the east for the ladies out there looking to dress for easter uh they i definitely think you need to get an easter outfit jerry from uh, and, hey, what and I'll wear do. it 
and wear it that week. That would, I that will, would excite I will, me. I will go get an Easter outfit just for you, Nick, and I'll wear it the week of uh, the week of Easter when we when we talk. But do they have Astros gear? I know Andrew Grady really wants some Astros gear. I think they probably <laughs> do it for him if if uh, you know. I'm if sure we if we asked them, they could they could uh, deliver it for us. Um, but yeah, go check them out. They do. They always have some really good innovative apparel, uh, whether it's UL or anything else that you're looking for. Also, Crew Alon, the official collective of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, they exist to enhance the experience of Raging Cajun student athletes, provide experiences for them to connect with the engaging and enthusiastic fan base. They help with student athletes as they monetize their name, image, and likeness through experiences and connections in the community. Those experiences will connect the UL student athletes to families and local businesses. The crew officially raises funds and makes connections to provide name, image, and likeness uh, opportunities for UL student athletes. Uh, give to the crew along, whether it's $2, $20, $200, $20,000, that money will go for the benefit of student athletes. And as we've seen through all of the different rule changes with uh, college sports today, you need collectives like uh, crew along. So please don't forget if you get the chance to give to the crew along, the official NIL collective for Louisiana athletics so what i'm thinking uh as baseball continues to play uh right now they're uh in the top of the ninth it looks like jt etheridge got us out of a little bit of a a hole there um as magnese had the bases loaded louisiana leading magnese right now by the score of 11 to 2 um while they continue to play i figured we'd talk a little bit about opening weekend against wright state um cajuns officially opened up the season friday night against wright state uh, taking two out of three against the Raiders for the weekend. Cajuns were victorious on Friday by the score of three to two. A uh, nice ninth inning rally to cap it off. Uh, they dropped a game on Saturday by the score of seven to six, but were able to come on Sunday and rally and win the series by the score of five to three. Um, actually, I'll tell you, the, every single game was competitive, and uh, the Cajuns beat a really good Wright State team who has pretty much made a regional uh, the last five out of eight seasons. So this was not some northern slouch that came in who won, you know, 16, 17 games last year where the Cajuns just scored 25 runs and everybody's thinking, oh, they're going to go to Omaha because of that. No, they played a really, really good baseball team that will most likely compete for another regional berth this year and uh, out of the Horizon League. Uh, it was a very, very competitive, very, very entertaining series. And um, there were a lot of things that all three of us learned looking at our team. Um, I'll just give my thoughts real quick before you guys go. Uh, what I got out of it, first of all, the atmosphere was great at the Teague all weekend, even in spite of the Saturday game. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it to the Saturday game, but I thought the atmosphere, especially in that ninth inning on Friday night, the Teague was rocking. It's good to have that environment at the Teague that we know and love, and it's it's back in full force and full swing. I also wanted to say uh, compliments to the newcomers. A lot of new players, a lot of new faces this year, a lot of um, question marks. You look at guys like Trey LaFleur, right? He's been on the team for two or three years. He's been hurt. Went 600, he batted 600 this weekend with a home run to, oppo, and to opposite field. Just, I mean, he's raking the ball tonight. He's lighting it up against Magnese. Had an inside-the-park home run against the Cowboys um, in Lake Charles. And, um, you know, he's he's the guy we've been waiting for for the last couple of years now that he's healthy. Connor Higgs is Connor Higgs. I mean, the guy... Won the home run derby. He's got a lot of power to his swing. He's finding ways to get on base, just raking. Uh, and then Josh Alexander, newcomer out of Delgado, uh, junior college transfer, but he batted 400 over the weekend. Had a home run tonight, actually, against Magnese. First home run as a Cajun. He's come alive. Luke Uhas, 
hit a go-ahead home run in the eighth inning on Sunday. Uh, you know, we all knew he had some power to his swing. He batted right under 300 at 286. And then, of course, you know, one of the high, one of the interesting stats to me was uh, Kyle DeBarge and um, John Taylor, pretty much debatably our best hitters going into the season, most well-known hitters, veteran players, uh, two for 22 combined. So one thing that I find after this weekend on the on the hitting side, if you got guys like Debo and JT going two for 22, and you have guys like Trey LaFleur, Connor Higgs, um, Josh Alexander, and Luke Juhas able to, to step in for them, we all know JT and Debo are not going to go through that slump all season. You know their bats are going to come alive. You add what they do and what they will do after a while with those other guys coming in. And, of course, you have guys like Brian Broussard coming out of the – out of the uh the um coming into the lineup on Sunday getting two hits all these guys are hitting the ball and they didn't look scared at the plate regardless of how young they may be or how new they may be uh, I thought they really fit into their roles without any hesitation and I saw a lot of confidence um pitching wise real quickly um the three days you had Jack Martinez getting his first win as a Cajun oh I'm sorry he didn't get his first win his first start pitched five innings gave up one hit two strikeouts gave up one run no earned runs, walked one guy. Chase Morgan came in on Saturday. He pitched three innings, gave up four hits, three strikeouts, uh, four runs, uh, two runs earned, or two earned runs, and uh, two base on balls. And Carson Fluno rounded out uh, the Sunday. Um, four innings pitch, gave up four hits, three strikeouts, gave up two runs, two earned runs, and two base on balls. And, of course, you had guys like LP Longevin come in uh, both Friday and Sunday, and it looks like he's going to be a huge staple in the bullpen. I mean, he kind of went into a little bit of put himself in a little bit of a pickle on Sunday, and the fact that he battled back to to salvage the win was huge. Of course, Stephen Cash, yeah, Blake McGee, Blake Marshall, David Christie, J.T. Etheridge, uh, Tate Hess, and of course Matt Holshammer all chipping in on the mound as well. And you have a few new faces tonight that pitched uh, against Magnese. We'll get into that. So just to kind of talk a little bit about what we saw um this team shows a lot of promise over the weekend they batted 250 as a team had 24 hits their fielding percentage was 957 they did have five errors but at the same time um those are things that are going to get polished up and everything that happened as far as mistakes easily fixable no big concern so again cajuns take two out of three against Wright state a really good baseball team and um i don't know about you guys but i'm actually more impressed uh, from what I saw this weekend with the new faces for them to come in and step in and step up the way they did against a really good team. Um, it's very, very encouraging uh, as we move forward into the season. And as we start playing some really, really hefty competition as the season goes on, what do you guys think? Yeah. I just wanted to say, look, I was at the rice series here in Houston last year and I think we're light years ahead of where we were this time last year. And, and, I, there are some things we need to clean up. You kind of alluded to it. Uh, some of it was not necessarily the fault of our outfielders. Let's get that out the way. I know a lot of people were saying, well, the outfielders can't field a, a fly ball. Well, the you know, it's not typical that you have 30 mile an hour wins. Now, there are things that need to be cleaned up there. And there were some mental errors and lapses in judgment, especially base running, right? It's the second year in a row where we see some some lapses in judgment on base running. Um, Haas, you mentioned, had a had a nice uh, nice weekend at the plate. He made up for his base running error. Love to see that, man. He he had the base running error that, that pretty much cost us a run, but he made up for it later in the game. Love to see that. 
the, I, I think the biggest, and, and you mentioned pitching and pitching, man, I don't remember the last time we've been this deep as a pitching staff ever. Like, honestly, ever in the history of when I've known this program this deep. Uh, and really the only person that had kind of a sketchy weekend uh, and he only pitched for, for, you know, two thirds of an inning. Um, oh gosh. What was his name? Uh, Tate Hess. He had a, you know, he had a rough time, a rough go, but he only pitched, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a, a large sample size. It was a very small sample size. But look, when you, when you look at where we are with the hitting, which I think we're ahead of where we were last year in the hitting Guys like Torres, you know, he's 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 not he's batting nothing right now, right? He's gonna end up making a, a move uh throughout the season. You got other guys who are struggling at the plate over the weekend. They're gonna get better as the season progresses. Uh pitching, I mean, if you look at what they've done over the past couple of games, including tonight, and what you know, we're we're only four games into the season. So that's going to only get better as as the season goes on. And like you mentioned, some of the base running errors, we gotta we gotta fix that. Some of the fielding errors, we gotta fix that. But all in all, man, it's very promising. And look, you, you said it first. We could have played a, a team from the north that hasn't seen a baseball field in six months and scored a hundred runs on them, and then act like we're going to win the Natty. I know a couple of teams very close to us who did that this weekend, but we're not doing that. We're playing teams that were. Regional teams last year, 130. I mean, Wright State won 39 games last year, okay? They're a damn good team. And guess what? They're probably going to be competing and probably going to be in a regional again this year. So a very solid team, very impressed. Their defense was absolutely – their defense kept them in several games. Uh, it, at least two of the two of the games, it, it kept it close, especially on Saturday. So I got to tell you, man, I'm I'm – I am very excited about the trajectory of this team. And then you go into tonight and you're kind of worried. Look, I'm not going to lie. Weird things happen in, in, in Lake Charles. Okay. First of all, you're going to have the umpires against you. That has happened since the beginning of time. They always seem to find a way to screw us in Lake Charles, but you took that out of the equation when you score eight runs in the first inning. And I don't care if that pitcher had a good night, bad night, whatever, the fact is you scored eight runs in the first inning. Now, between the second and eighth inning, we needed to score more than no runs, right? There, I, I know that we're gonna we're gonna have problems there, but look, I I like the way that the team is progressing. I think they're gonna mature as the season goes on. The one thing that I will tell you that I love about this team is the fight and the aggression and the stepping on the neck and the and the not you know, backing off. And, and I, if, if I have to play, pick a player for the weekend, and I know this is, if we're, we're not talking about stats, we're talking about a guy who has the it factor in the wolf pack. It's gotta be my boy Torres, man. Cause that guy showed you that he is got the grit and the determination and he's gonna do whatever it takes to, to, you know, make that extra throw, put that extra umph behind it to get the guy out at second, you know, hit that long fly ball to get the win at the end of the game. He's going to get dirty behind the plate. I really like what I see out of him. And look, uh, we got another Clay Wargo. He goes out and, and and does great things, you know, as well over the weekend. And he's he started tonight. So we're very good behind, behind the plate. But I got to tell you, Torres, easily right now, my fan favorite, 
as we're going into the season. Cause, cause my man is the prototypical guy. I like to see uh, behind the plate. who's just gritty and, and ready to go. But anyway, I know I'm rambling. I'm on like eight different medicines and now took a shot of Jack. The, 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 the moral of the story is I am definitely a buy on the raging Cajuns baseball team this season. And I think better things are going to come in the very near future for us. So very excited on the trajectory of the team this year. Well, like I said, positively giddy. I mean, what else can you say? And look, I'm going to encourage people that are posting comments to either agree or disagree or throw up some questions. But over the course of three games, I mean, there's so many things. Just from a 30,000-foot view, how fun was that series? I mean, you got everything. You had a little bit of drama. You had, you know, Yuha's about to beat up a guy on the mound. You had... Back-to-back jacks to seal the series. You had some defense. You had pitching. You had timely hitting. Uh, you had some excitement Friday. You, you know, you had fireworks every game, it seemed like. It was exciting. Um, really good baseball was played this weekend. There's a reason why Wright State was picked to win the Horizon League. And like Jerry mentioned, they've been a regional team, I think it's five out of eight years. They were a very good baseball team. Uh, and I thought that they were even better than I expected them to be. I mean, when's the last time you saw defense like that played at the tee? I can't even, you know, UC Irvine played a good defense when they came a few years back. Uh, Texas played some fantastic defense when they came in 2018 or whatever that was. Outside of that, man, I can't, I can't remember a team that good all over the field. I mean, center field, left field, right field, that's some of the best outfield play we've seen at the Teague period. That's with our team. I mean, like Nick mentioned, Sunday, we probably could have scored another five runs. Saturday... It's amazing we didn't score 10 runs. I mean, they just continued to make outstanding plays infield, outfield, behind the plate. Their pitchers were gritty. Now, I thought they were kind of top-heavy. Uh, the starter on Friday and Saturday, uh, I thought they could pitch anywhere. They had one, maybe two guys, number 25 and 41, I believe, in the back end of the bullpen that is going. they're going to be as good as anybody we're going to see. Um, but they had some holes, and we exploited them, so credit to our hitters. But there's just so many things you can say about the level of competition alone. It was fun. Uh, shout out to the crowd. Friday night, kind of braved the weather, got out there, made some noise, impacted the game. You had a walk-off, you know. Friday night, opening the tee, you had a walk-off. Jose Torres, you know, and, and I'm a big Julian guy. It's hard to replace a guy like Julian. I know Torres didn't get any hits, but he's not up there striking out either, looking foolish. The guy's putting the bat on the ball. It's just going to people. And that's not going to continue to happen. So I'm bullish on Torres. His defense is good. What is what is incredible about him, he makes everything look close to the plate. I mean, the ball, and Nick, you probably saw this better because, you, you know, the TV view is always better. But where we sit, we have a pretty good view of it, too. Everything he throws. I mean, we some of our guys were throwing balls. Like, there was a time where Chase was really struggling with the high miss. And Torres just kept pulling the ball down, and he was getting the strike call. And I thought it was... You know, I didn't know. I haven't seen anybody talk about it. I haven't seen a, a lot of, of banter about it. That's gonna that's gonna pay dividends for for a young pitching staff, a step, uh, especially guys like Chase and the newcomers who are up there at the Teague. We talked about this on the last episode. Jack Martinez in his post game said he was shaken because the place was nuts. You know, and uh, you know, mentioning Jack Martinez. All right, Friday night, five innings of one hit ball, one earned run, two two walks, dude. When's the last time we saw a debut like that? He just looked like a veteran. Like he just looked like somebody that uh, one of our Friday night guys that comes in and sometime in late April, early May, 
where they're just polished. He just looked like that the other and night. And coming for what? A D3, D2 yeah. school? Like with, right. playing in front of nobody? Unflappable. I mean, unflappable. He never, he, there were times where he got in a rut early. He got two outs early in the first inning and kind of struggled. Same thing in the second inning. He, he was getting ahead of hitters and then he started to fall behind and trouble locating a little bit. But I, I loved his answer. Dave asked him in his post game, he said, What was your favorite thing about the start tonight? And his answer tells me a whole lot about his makeup. He said, I was happy that it got rocky. He was happy that he hit a, a bad spot and then overcame it. I'm going to tell you, it, it, that guy is he's scary good. I'm really excited about him. Now, we had high expectations. So, you know, it's kind of like he lived up to the expectation. But I'm telling you, that there's something extra about Jack. And if he's going to be the anchor on Friday night, I, I, I'm, I haven't heard a whole lot of this, but Chase Morgan has swing and miss stuff. From the left side, I mean, look, there were times again where he was he was missing up and he was throwing too many pitches. And he I thought he tried to nibble when he had an opportunity to get hitters out. I thought he instead of attacking, he tried to nibble. I chalked that up to youth. I think Gunner's gonna do something with that. But you saw the change up that, that we told were told. You saw the movement. You I mean, look, he located when he needed to. He never got overwhelmed, and that's a big thing. I think if we're a month down the road, he stays in that game probably two more innings. Uh, and I know they were all on an 80 count pitch count this weekend. So, you know, he, he, I guarantee you he comes out for the fifth if this is a, a game in a month or two. So I was impressed with him. How many arms did we run out of that bullpen where you go, wow, that's an option? Steven Cash was unhittable this weekend. Unhittable. He gave up his first base runner of the year today against McNeese. So, I mean, unhittable. And I know he kind of changed his arm slot and he just looks filthy. Uh, I liked him last year. I liked the makeup of him. He, he didn't. He, he never looked like the moment was too big for him. Um, David Christie, swing and miss stuff again. You know, with David, it's just been inconsistent. I thought he showed some, some, some consistency when he came in, and that's what I was looking for. And it's time. He's old now. He's an older pitcher. We need him. We need him to be that older pitcher. Uh, the hammer, Holtzhammer, ridiculous. Uh, LP Langevin, exactly what he was billed to be. Uh, and there were others. You know, I know Tate Hess didn't have the greatest outing, but look, He's got stuff, and he also has a little bit of swag with him. So important, important to have that, that option. And there are others that I'm not going to mention because I don't want to get you know too long. But we have options up and down the lineup. Nick, you said this is the deepest staff we've had, I mean, as long as we've been watching the Cajuns. People are going to call that hyperbole. I don't think you're wrong, man. I mean, look at what Fluno did. He came out and he dealed on Sunday. But, I mean, the fact is half of our roster – are pitchers <laughs> you know i don't know the last time that i've seen that yeah and and look one of the things that jay said tonight on tonight's broadcast because you know mcneese doesn't even have a a camera to put behind home plate to watch the game but that's another story yeah but jay said tonight he said you know players like steven cash are getting better because of gunner and what gunner brings to the program and and what he learned from Robe and he's teaching, you know, you talked about him changing his his pitching motion and that's because of Gunner. But it can't be lost on the fact that Dad mentioned as well that Jake Wells is the one who recruited all of these pitchers to the program. Now, Jake is not with us anymore, but you got to think you got to give kudos to Jake because these 20 pitchers we have on staff are because of him. And the depth that we have is because of the recruiting we did and, and, and having a Martinez or having a Cash or having a Morgan or, or any of the guys on this roster because of the recruiting and the studying that he did. So you got to give you got to give kudos to him as well as Gunner 
what he's doing with the talent we have on the roster. That's why I'm I'm so excited about the season because we're just in game four and we're seeing what they're doing. You got to think now. I know video's going to get out, tape's going to get out, but I'm very excited about the trajectory of where things are going right now, based on the first four games of the season. They didn't run a single guy out there that I I thought, oh yeah, I don't have any confidence in it. I mean, look like I love Blake, but Blake can kind of put you on edge sometimes and. He got to a point where he was starting to lose hitters, but even he rebounded. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a single guy that they ran out there that I didn't see real potential down the road. And and as far as defense, I mean, as we played really good defense. We made a couple errors in the outfield because adverse conditions. And you heard Dex talk about it. Uh, I, again, everybody is kind of forgetting about really good plays at second and third and shortstop. And Trey Trey uh, LaFleur made a couple of really nice plays at third base. He's been a revelation. I talked to Bab on Friday. He said that Trey is finally healthy. He's finally free. He can swing the bat. He can be he can be the talented player that we got when we know that he transferred from Ole Miss. There's a reason why he signed out of high school. So that is encouraging. You got multiple guys like Mandino, who was on the mound tonight, by the way, you got Mandino, who plays with his hair on fire. You got uh, Alexander, who just looks like, I mean, he can do anything he tries. Uh, Brian Broussard had a nice debut on Sunday. You got multiple guys out there getting run out and getting some innings where where these guys can be playing anywhere in the country. They're good ball players. Offensively, I, you know what? I, I really don't even care where we are offensively right now. There are plenty of times you can look throughout the course of the weekend and say, well, you know, we, we didn't produce in this area and – I'm going to go back to it. Wright State had some guys on the on the mound. They had some dudes on the bump. We, If you want to look at one maybe potentially hazardous area, base running. We, we made too many base running mistakes, and we're coming off of a team that was excellent at running the bases last year, so it stings a little bit more. But base running is something you can clean up. That's something that you can adjust to over time. If base running is the sole sore area that we're talking about, I, I mean, I'm just bullish on the team. And as far as like my favorite player, you mentioned my junkyard dog so far, Dylan Pastore. Oh, excuse me, Duncan Pastore. That guy, he looks like Bobby Dahlback, but he plays like Blake Tron. Trahan, excuse me. No, it's Trahan. Screw it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> the first pitch the guy sees, he smashes to the gap. I mean, he runs out every ground ball. He hustles everywhere he goes. He he's huge at third. He has huge range. He has a great arm. I haven't seen him do a single thing where I thought, oh, that's not good. Oh, that's not good. I, my new man crush is, is Duncan Pastore at third base. Uh, that's my, my favorite newcomer so far. Before you go, Jerry, I just got to say one thing. Um, base running, yeah, I know you said that, Josh, that it can be corrected, but it, that's becoming a trend. That's why I'm a little bullish on that. We got to – this is something we got to work on that we've we've seen them do for the last couple of seasons. And also, I wanted to mention before you go, Jerry, uh, Mrs. Coach Doe, my sister-in-law – Told me, hold on, let me let me read the text. So I want to I want to bring this out. She says, mention we have 20 pitchers and you need to mention that Jake Wells recruited uh, these pitchers. I, I mentioned that before reading the text. So I just want to throw that out there. Even Miss Coach Doe knows what's going on with this team. So I'm not alone in being very bullish on where we're going. By the way, guys, I just want to say breaking news, handshakes and high fives. Cajuns officially win against Magnese by the final score of 11 and 11 to three. Uh, Louisiana is now officially three and one on the year and will take on rice Friday night at the Teague. Um, I I'm waiting for the stats to load because I am curious to see the updated stats of some of these guys. For example, Trey LaFleur batted 600 over the weekend. He went three for four tonight. 
with a home run. Um, I mean, you look at guys like that and you see how you have certain players that are really clicking right now. You had some guys on the mound that did a great job. I believe Andrew Herman did get the win on the mound, which by the way, how about Andrew Herman tonight on the mound? Five innings. Uh, I think he gave up maybe two runs. I mean, he pitched a great game tonight for somebody that just kind of came in out of nowhere. He, he was at, he seems like a really uh, fast, uh, pretty much a really good speed, a speedy lefty. And I mean, look, for the most part, the beauty of what I think the beauty of what I saw tonight, when you go to somebody else's stadium or you go on the road and you put up eight runs in the first inning, you're going to expect your opponent to start chipping away, especially the midweek game. You know, you had a guy like Herman who made his debut start tonight. And, you know, who would have, who knows? What if Magnese would have scored four runs in the bottom of the first to start chipping away? And he just didn't let it happen. Uh, I think he gave up two runs through five innings and really did a great job minimizing some damage, especially giving up some hits. I mean, just to see what our pitching has done through four games and seeing the depth and seeing who we can choose and pick in certain situations, that's the promising part. Because like I said before, um, we know the Dags hitting system is going to to mesh as the season goes on. And you know these guys are going to step up. And you got guys off the bench like Mason Zambo got his first at-bat tonight, I believe. I'm not sure if he did or not, but Mason Zambo, you have other guys, I believe. Who's the other one, Josh? A Stormbacher? Strombacher? Starbacher. Starbacher. He's another one that, that really hasn't played much. Caleb Stelly got his first hit tonight. Um, I mean, there's so many guys that we haven't even seen yet. That were that were playing hey, roles last year, and Big Herm is a, I'm pretty sure is the national champion. Wasn't yes, he? A, wasn't he one he of the was. starters for the the JUCO team from Florida that won the national championship? Was it two it was years Central ago? Florida? I think it was like Central Florida Junior College or something like so, that. Yes, that I, I mean a guy with a pedigree like that. I mean he's that. This is not surprising to me. First of all, I think I think McNeese is going to take a major step back this year. They look pas bon. They got smoked this weekend. Uh, but my last comment about base running to answer Nick. Nick. There's bad stuff. I mean, like obviously, you can't overrun third base. You can't over. You you can't miss signs. You can't forget how many outs there are. I mean, there have been some things that are not good. However, I will say, how about the bunt returning as a weapon? I mean, they used the bunt to perfection in many cases this weekend. Now they they can clean up some things, but I mean, last year I remember specifically talking about the fact that we weren't using the bunt like Degs had in the past. Well, that's obviously over. Because the bunt is back, and they they are using it. I mean, Yuha's basically won a game for us with a bunt and a, on an O2 count, a suicide squeeze on an O2 count with a left fielder that's the size of uh you know the Golden Gate Bridge, freaking huge guy. So I, I don't know, man. I'm there. There isn't anything I don't like about this team, and I can't tell you the last time I was able to say that. I'm not gonna say. Look, I, I, I want to preface what I'm gonna say. By saying, I'm not saying we're going to be the number one team ranked this season at any point, but I'm going to say the way they play baseball reminds me a lot of 2014, man. It reminds me of the the thing that we've been craving since that season that we haven't had, that extra something that's there that you can't really put your finger on and explain. It feels like the water hose boys. It feels like the guys who are gritty, who are going to do whatever it takes to win. That's what I love about this team so far. Now, again, we're only four games into the season. A lot can change. But right now, man, this is fun to watch, and I'm excited about it. I'm glad you said that, Nick, because one thing that I noticed about this team, and Josh, I told you this on Sunday. First of all, if you actually want to look at a, a quick fun fact, all three games uh, against Wright State, the Cajuns had to come from behind at some point. Friday night, they had to come from behind, down 2-1 to one in the ninth, and rally to win. And on Sunday, they were down 2-2. Two, two to 
two to nothing basically until I think it was the somewhere in the middle, the fifth inning or sixth inning. I think JT broke uh, broke the broke the drought and and got us on the board with his first home run of the year. And then even Saturday we were down six two and tied the game somewhere in the eighth inning where um, we gave up that go ahead home run. So all three games, in spite of the loss on Saturday, we rallied back and fought back and grinded back. And that's I think that's like that that speaks volumes for the intangible character that I saw this weekend. Another thing I noticed in the eighth inning on Sunday when we rallied to score three runs to clinch the win, and Josh, maybe you saw this too. Every time we did something good, you know, between the the the, the big time base hits, uh, the two back to back jacks by both Juhas and um, and and um, drawing a blank. Sorry, Wargy. Wargo, Clay Wargo, yeah, Clay. I think Clay Wargo's. I think the ball. I think the ball landed somewhere at Albertsons on Johnson Street. I mean, when he hit it, you just knew where. You just knew it was gone. But you could just see the 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 reaction of the dugout and how crazy they were going after every little thing that we did. Like, there's a certain level of energy I see with this squad that just it stands out to me compared to what we've had in the past. Not taking anything away from our past teams. But there's something gritty about this team. And and to be able to grind back in all three of those games against a good Wright State team just tells me the character I see and, and just the fact that there's a lot of selflessness with these guys. You're not going to see, you know, yes, you got your big names. You got your, your John Taylors and your Kyle DeBarges. But let me tell you something. Even those guys, they play for one another. Everybody plays for one another. There's a lot of selflessness with the fact that, you know, look, we all know. Deggs likes to he likes to rotate the lineup. He likes to play with the lineup. But you know what I like about this team? I feel like with Deggs being able to shuffle the lineup like he does, I feel like this is the personnel to where he can do it and it can work because everybody plays a different role. I mean, you got Maddox Mandina, who's a, a freshman, going on the mound tonight. He started on Friday and Saturday and he pitched tonight. Now, granted, he was taken out, but what other freshman do you know? that has played for Louisiana, how long has it been since we've seen a freshman be able to do both in their first four games as a collegiate, a collegiate baseball player? Well, holy cow. Hopefully, hopefully if we play, do we play T-Sab in a midweek this year? Because God forbid if somebody pitches during the weekend and we pitch them against them in midweek, they're going to say we, we pitched our starting pitcher I don't think we them. do. I think the only matchup is it's, in Houston. Okay, well, that that's fine with me. But by the way, before we go any further, a lot of people are commenting about McNeese not having a stream Shout out to Joel Beal. Apparently, they did have a stream, and he he came up. He showed us what the stream looked like for for McNeese tonight. So, Joel, we appreciate you uh, giving us a live look into what it looked like tonight, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, it gets a little better resolution for the uh, <laughs> the future. I was expecting it to come out and be like one of our guys in red putting the head in the toilet like a swirly. <laughs> 11 to 3 beating. He did this was this is something I thought like Jerry would do because you know he had the the construction cam thing going on. <laughs> this is pretty impressive Joel. So so kudos to you man. Well, I got I got to say I, you know it's like we posted on the Twitter account use your imagination because tonight was one of those nights you had to use your <laughs> imagination. I you know it's funny because two I think it was two was it two years ago or three years ago when we traveled to Lake Charles the game was on the Facebook or the YouTube, like they had a YouTube link and the camera would be, was stationed to the infield. So like whenever somebody would hit a fly ball, 
you couldn't tell if the ball was still in play or if it was a flyout, depending on what the runner did in the infield. If he stopped, you knew it was a flyout or, or a foul ball. But if he kept going, you knew it was a base hit. And I don't, I don't recall them having a scoreboard. So, like, I had to go on the site or listen on the radio to Jay to know what the score was because you couldn't see the scoreboard. It was so far away. So I just remember, like, the live stationary camera just and just looking at the infield and nothing else. But at least it was a little bit of something. I guess it's better than no TV at all. But, uh, yeah, they need to do something about that, man. They need to do something about that and start producing some games on the on the stream. First of all, poor Dan McDonald. So he tried so hard to get uh, Pastore's name right. So he said it Pastore half of the weekend. And then he said, no, somebody corrected me. It's Pastore. And it was neither of those. It's actually Pastore. So... Poor, poor Dan, we got to get him a pronunciation guy before he goes into the weekend blind. But he did get he did get Langevin correct, which, by the way, I'm taking full credit for because even Langevin said, well, people just call me Langevin or whatever. And I'm like, no, I, I told them on the phone. I was like, no, it's Langevin and you're going to like it. And so he was cool with it. Yeah, if there's any place to pronounce it right, it's here in Lafayette, in Acadiana. Like you cannot anglo-sax that name here in acadiana you just can't do it i didn't can't give him it. a choice i was like no it's larger, <laughs> man, and you're gonna like it you're here this is what we're doing so i wanted to ask you guys uh, based on what you've seen through the through the first four games you know we talked about the intangibles we talked about the pitching depth is there anything that stood out to you that looked different from last year's team obviously last year's team had a lot of bats a lot of bat presence a lot of hitting um but as far as base running, defense, I know in the outfield, like we've said before, like the outfield, you know, that's going to be a work in progress. But is there anything you saw as far as athleticism or physicality from a standpoint of like just the, the typical Degs style of just base running, taking chances? What did you guys see on that as opposed to what we had last year? I'm not even going to comment on on that. I'm just going to say the intangibles, the the Wolfpack mentality the thing that he's been preaching since he's been here in 13, 14, the, the attitude, the chip on your shoulder, look, ropes teams. If you, if you knew ropes teams back in the day, 97, 98, 99, 2000, they're ready to throw down. And I'm talking when I say throw down, I mean, I mean, you know, step on your throat and he, he wasn't scared to have teams go, go across that, that home plate and fight the other team. Now, as as Robe aged, you know, he got a little more conservative and and he wasn't all about that. But there was a chip on our shoulder. There was an attitude. There was an expectation. And I felt like last year, as the season progressed, we got a little bit of that. But this is the first season that since Degg's been here that I feel like those intangibles are there early in the season. I don't feel like we need to grow into that mindset. I don't feel like we have guys who I'm I'm questioning whether or not they fit into that Wolfpack mentality. I feel like after watching this weekend and tonight, we're there. And I feel like they're just going to build on that. So to me, it's not necessarily about the base running or the errors or all that. That, again, like you said, Josh, can all be fixed. And and I'm I'm nitpicking at that point if I'm if I'm focusing on that. That's the only thing negative that I can think of in my head. But I think just the chip on the shoulder, the attitude, the the fact that the, those guys are fighting for each other, to me, 
early in the season. This is the first time I've seen it from game four versus last year when we were like mid-season towards late in the season, seeing it come together. So that's what excites me is that we're there now versus last year mid-late season. The easy answer is that we are going to pitch to win. That's the easy answer. I mentioned that we're the bunt is back. That's a big one. Uh, but just overall, just looking at the team, we're huge. The corner positions look like corner positions. I mean, Pastore, I'm guessing here, but he looks like he's 6'2", 205. Uh, Trey Lafleur, he's a little bit on the more on the lighter side, but he's also like six foot six one, uh, probably one eighty, one seventy five. I mean, these guys are huge. Uh, look at Yuhas. Yuhas got to be six four, and who knows, two twenty, huge. Uh, JT looks like he's put on some weight. We're gonna run the bases differently. I don't know. You know, there have been times where we'll start the season off and we're making a lot of errors on the base pass because we're being aggressive, and then Degs will go ahead and shift to a more or, or a, a uh, less of an aggressive style when we get towards the tournament. You've seen him do that the last couple of years, actually. But last year, uh, I mean, 150 stolen bases, That there's no way that's going to happen again. Uh, so, and I don't know. I, I think we are just as athletic. I mean, when you when you talk about the newcomers, we're, we don't lose very much athleticism. Uh, and I know we lost Rock, and I get Julian was a freak behind the plate, but if you're going to tell me that uh, mini Robbie Rojas, Torres is not as as athletic defensively as Julian, you're gonna, that's going to be a hard take because he did everything behind the plate that Julian can do. Now, is he going to throw out 60% of base runners to second base? No, he's not. His arm is not what Julian's was. I'll give you guys that if you want to have a critique of him. But Julian's getting paid to play baseball for a reason. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a draft pick for a reason. So I think that I think that we're going to have to be a little bit quicker to the plate, and I'm sure Gunner will make that adjustment because uh, Wright State, who is obviously a very good base running team, stole a lot off of the pitcher. It was obvious that they were getting early jumps. Torres can't compete with, you know, teams stealing off of our pitchers. That's just not going to, you know, it's, it's not it's not a battle he can win. Uh, but I do I feel very comfortable with him behind the plate as a receiver handling a pitching staff. There wasn't. Any moment where we were running, like Friday night, how many guys have we run out there? Five or six pitchers, and he looked like the same guy. I mean, he he was calm. Nothing nothing really phased him. You got to remember that was his first start at Cajun Field as well. Oh, excuse me, at the Teague as well. So there's going to be growth. I don't feel like there's a single hole on this roster. I don't feel like there's a single area where I think, you know, looking down the road and kind of projecting out that we have to feel like, you know, we're in trouble. I just think we have youth. I think we got to get these guys acclimated, and once they do, they'll feel comfortable in their skin, and they're going to get after it. But as far as mentality, oh, these guys are dripping with it. I mean, they're dripping with toughness and throwdown and grit and all those words we use every year, and we try to make it manifest. We don't have to make anything manifest this year. These guys have it. I mean, Dave is doing a fantastic job. I'm talking about Dave Schultz. Doing a fantastic job with these little post-game interview videos that he's been posting on his account, on his Twitter account. The questions that he's asking these boys and the answers that they have, and it's not just what they say, it's how they react. And if you watch their facial expressions and how happy they have they 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 get when their teammates are eating and when they talk about you know the reasons why things are happening, it's hard to say the it's easy to say all the right things. It's hard to fake it. I don't get I don't get the feeling that they're just faking it. I think they're I think they're legit. I, I think they're legit. I think they're a legit gritty bunch, and I think they play for each other. Uh, and not in the traditional cliche sense. I, I get a I get a feeling that they they really get um, a boost 
when the other guys are eating. You, JT said, you know, he made a comment about when Debo got the base hit in uh, on Sunday's game, how it kind of gave everybody a general lift, and then they came out and hit back to back jacks and manufactured another run. So there's just there's just something extra. There's a I, we talked about it in the last episode. There's a little bit extra in this locker room. I think the again I have to say it. I think the selflessness to your point, Josh, is is huge. Um, we've had teams in the past where we've had me guys. I mean, Tony used to talk about that. You know, the underwear models, right? You know, they want to look pretty, they want to pad up their stats, and then what happens? They become they feel they they become outliers to to the locker room, and it kind of stenches on everybody else i don't see that with this team i don't see anybody that wants to be an underwear model i don't see anybody that that wants to be all about me um i think to your point about how um these players complement one another and they play for each other is going to go a long way and i think that's kind of how Deggs. he always kind of wanted to build that type of team right he wants again he moves the lineup around and things like that in order to be able to play on a team that shifts lineups and changes lineups and changes, you know, all the defensive defensive lineups and whatnot every game. Those are the type of things that definitely you need players that are selfless. And and I find that he's been able he's he's built that he built that last year, and I think he's built that even more this year. Um, I'm more excited. I'll be honest with you. What I'm excited about going into Rice is I'm excited to see uh, how we. Because you know the lineup's not going to be quite the same, or it's not going to be as consistent as we saw on on, on this past week. This past weekend, I am curious to see some of these new guys, like a Caleb Stelly, or maybe uh, Mason Zambo, make an appearance or two. I'm more curious to see those guys step in this weekend and see what they can do. Because again, you know, we've talked about so many names that haven't even really played. That's what I'm excited about. Because it adds, it naturally adds more depth to what what you already have. Josh, before you go, I know you want to answer this this comment, but before you go, I just want to say, I get what you're saying, Jerry, but I'm not terrified of Rice for the fact that they got swept by Notre Dame in Houston over the weekend, and it wasn't. I mean, the the first game was three one, but it really wasn't that close. You never felt like Rice was going to win. They lost nine to five and then 13 to 10. Now they did beat Sam Houston tonight, which I don't know how good Sam Houston is. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. They beat Oklahoma state this weekend in a two, a three game series. So So there you go, but it is a midweek game, right? So I don't know. I'm not terrified of rice, but you have to respect your opponent, but I'm feeling a lot better going into this rice series this year than I'm feeling going into the rice series last year, especially being at the Teague. We got to win two out of three, you know, if you sweep, that's that's great. I'll take it. But I want two out of three every week in the season, and I will be a very happy camper. Well, I'll, I'll say this also. I'm worried about Rice uh, specifically because they got swept against Notre Dame. They're not going to go 0-6. You know what I mean? In the last two weekends, that's not going to happen. And if it does, that's going to be kind of an anomaly. That doesn't happen to decent teams. And Rice is not what they used to be, but they're certainly not terrible. Um, and as far as my wife's comment here, listen, don't take too much. She's mad at Luke Juhas because he misplayed a ball and then lazily threw it to second base. And she's been irate about it ever since. And, I, you know, the ball that got moved around in the wind on Higgy, you know, there were a couple of those. You know, that's going to happen. That's an adverse situation. Like Deg said, I hate to use the word he used, but I was saying the same thing in the stands. That's not going to happen nine times out of ten. 
You know, I'm not going to hold that against Connor. You know, don't be looking for reasons why Connor Higgs is not as good as Carson Rockefort in center field. I think a lot of people are doing that. But she's mad at Luke Hughes, and that's that's the truth. So that's why she said that. By Give the him way, a break. Catherine, Give him a break. You make some amazing biscuits. So I want to shout out to your biscuit and, and cookie making abilities. Apparently, that's pretty good, too. So shout out, Catherine. I'm slinging sweets. I'm slinging sweets out my trap. All right. <laughs> Nick's, Nick's waiting for some biscuits and cookies when he comes back to town. <laughs> yeah. And you know what else? Uh, so, so real quickly, I'm, I'm going to kind of shift gears a little bit here, but we'll stay on the topic of baseball. So for those of you who are wondering, uh, the attendance this weekend on Friday night, the Teague was packed. It looked packed. It was fun. It was loud. It was boisterous. The atmosphere, typical Teague Friday night. If you notice the attendance announced was 20, a little over 2,500 fans, which is really unusual for us because we've always announced a minimum of like 3,500 to 4,000 fans. The reason why we're doing attendance that way is because I believe from what I was told, Pacquiolan with the new model, uh, we're kind of experimenting with the Pacquiolan model and we are counting uh, actual attendance, actual uh, people showing up instead of tickets sold. Now, I know there's a lot of people upset about that. Uh, don't kill the messenger, but that's what I was told. So if you look at the attendance and if it's a midweek game and you know, even though we sold, I don't know, three, 4,000 tickets and only 2,000 people show up, they're going to announce the 2,000 people. So just wanted to uh, mention that. First of all, Jerry, let me just say something. Okay, and I come from the school of John Duga counting the attendance and and getting a little liberal there. But you can look around and know that you have a certain number of people in the stands. But you also have an idea of how many season tickets you sold. And when you see a stadium that feels full and then you know the number of season tickets that you had and that matches, that doesn't make sense to me. And then when you go onto the website to buy a ticket in the grandstand and there are only like 10 tickets available in the grandstand and then you're announcing 1500, that doesn't make sense to me. So if you want to announce the actual attendance, you're like one of the only schools in, in, in the entire country that's doing that because a midweek game at TSAB is, is 11,000 people. And you, you watch the stream and it's, it's a third full that ain't 11,000 people and any other school in the country is counting the tickets sold. You can't change the rules midstream. Like we've been counting, we've been doing this in top 25 in attendance against our peers who were counting a certain way. And now you're going to say for some odd reason, and, and don't give me the excuses that you were given Jerry, because that's dumb to me. But you're going to give these excuses that, oh, well, we're counting it a different way now, but you're not counting it the same way as your peers. So now you look lesser than them. You got you can't change what you've been doing for years. First of all, it makes us look like we're losing attendance, which we're not. We're just decided, oh, you know what? We're just going to count it a different way. That doesn't make sense to me. And by the way, for the guys who are selling the ads and, and the things and, and the advertisements, the outfield wall signs, that doesn't help them when you lower the attendance because you're counting it a different way. That makes it tougher for them to sell those those ads. Anyway, I just want to say, go back to the old way of doing things. Go back to the way that other schools do things. Make yourself comparable to the way that they're doing it. Look, 
Southern Miss didn't have 5,300 fans in, in, in the stadium on their first game. But guess what? Tickets sold. They sure did. That's the way you that's the way you measure yourself. You can't measure yourself against your peers if you're counting a different way. So do it the right way. Do it how everyone else is doing it. And 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 keep us where we are. So we sold for those wondering, we sold around 2,500 season tickets for baseball this year, which, which is a dis- it, that's a disgrace in and of itself. Well, but also, too, if you did announce official like if you did announce tickets sold, the minimum every game should be 2,500. If that's what you're playing by, it right. looks so a lot how better you than 1,500 on a Saturday. That doesn't, that doesn't right. the, the math doesn't math. Right. Well, I'm not going to go long on this because I'm sick and tired of talking about attendance. But one of the best recruiting tools we've had at the Teague for years is we're a top 25 team uh, when it comes to attendance. We're a top 25 uh, attended school over the course of a season. We've been doing that for years, especially since the new Teague has been built. So you're going to take that away because the other schools aren't following the rules? Is that really the answer? you got to be kidding me. So... So now we're going to go from being a top 20 attended team and our, our rival like Southern Miss is going to continue to post 5,500 and 6,000 people and everybody's fine with that. that. That's the kind of stuff that goes on in, in, the, in that administration office. Look, of course it has something to do with how they staff the park and how they, you know, the money they spend on, I don't know what, tertiary expenses. I have no idea. But there's a reason why, and I told Jerry this when we found out, there's got to be a reason coming from above athletics. They're telling them that you got to, you got to, the attendance has got to match what they're spending some way, somehow. That's got to be what this is all about. All these excuses that they're using to try to make all this make sense, it's all, it's all it is. Is it a damn excuse? Because here's the thing you can use actual butts and seats to do your internal RD and do your internal budgets and all that stuff and still post season tickets sold like the rest of America. There's no reason why you have to there's no reason why you have to say the actual the actual attendance um, when everybody else is not doing it that way, especially when none of your peers are freaking doing it. Especially when across the board all attendance has been down. Now you can say it's just when because we've been using Pacquiolan, but it's only for baseball and softball so far. Basketball is still using Ticketmaster. So that 914 that they reported a couple of weeks ago uh, th- that was really 914. That's that was legit, uh, and and probably less than that. In fact, I was in the building was less than that. So this is new. We're just finding this out, but we're going to keep asking questions. And they're telling us that it's because they have to follow the rules, and the other schools in the league are not following the rules. So we're going to lower our attendance, I guess, in hopes that the other schools follow the rules. This is like global warming and, and climate change when China's. <laughs> the most dirty country in America in the world and America's actually doing something about it. We're going to lower our standards until they do the right thing. But it, we should feel better about so it. Ridiculous. Josh. Should, oh. We should feel better about it. Well, when Southern Miss is able to continue recruiting at a high level and we can't because people think that our stadium is not full, then maybe we can revisit this. But it's the same thing. We're going to end up being on the right side of history like we always are after y'all holler and scream that we complain too much. Every time the truth comes out, Rage and Reviews on the right side of history. Just look at the Michigan State crap that just came out where we finally found out the truth about what happened. We were saying, hey, there's something going on here. Let's fix the record. We didn't back out of the game. You know, it's the same thing. Same thing. We're not gonna we're not gonna report the actual tickets sold anymore. Now we're gonna do butts and seats because of internal auditing. How stupid is that? Use the actual butts and seats for internal reasons and post the tickets sold. Don't make us look dumb. 
I guess is the is the overarching point here. But but people like to say we're we're negative against the admin. Look, I want guys like Joel to be able to sell as much advertising as he can on the stream. I want guys like Brian to be able to sell as much advertising as he can in the stadium. And you're not helping the cause by lowering the 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 parent attendance. Like that's not helping you. You're sabotaging. You're self-sabotaging at that point. I want our administration to be successful, but we can't work against ourselves by trying to be the bigger man by I don't know what what the ultimate goal is here. But the fact of the matter is no one else in the country, like you said, Josh, accounts for their attendance in the way that we do. So we've got to be consistent year over year on how we do things. And now we're changing uh, again. We're 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 expanding the goalposts and saying, well, we want to we want to be true to this. Well, no one else is. And I don't know what who you're trying to impress with this, but you're you're only hurting yourself. We but that's why better at this. That's stuff. why I think it's coming from above because it almost feels like they're being told this is what you're gonna do because, like you said, the math ain't mathing. We're running an eight million dollar deficit. It's gonna probably be over ten million next year for fiscal year twenty three. Somewhere or another, it feels like it's a bean counting exercise. Now I don't know that to be true. That's just an opinion of mine. Jerry and I have been kind of going back and forth on on how this even remotely makes sense, but. It doesn't make sense in every every other school that we compete. So why is it that we're going to be the ones to take that step and we're going to be the ones to make our attendance go, you know, get cut in half? But to take it a step further, you said self-sabotage. Self, uh, That's the pattern with every sport at this point. It's all It all feels like self-sabotage. And now we're going to do it in baseball, our most successful, consistent, popular sport, and softball too. Our, our diamond sports are our most consistent sport. Why would you do that? You know, I think the the community's already starting to bite back. 2,500 season tickets sold? That's a joke. At the Teague, we just came off of an at-large berth in, in the NCAA tournament. And we sold 1,000 less season tickets this season? I mean, damn, the, the alarm bells, it, it, they're going off. They're going off. And this team, this is not the team you want to miss. But Josh, we talked about being intentional with your marketing and having to get out in the community and talk about it and get guys involved and and people wanting to to go to your your events. And, and look, I'm in Houston, so I can't speak to this, but I'm going to ask you, what have you seen on KLFY, on, on, on whatever, News 15, on KTC, of people out there saying, hey, community, we want you to come out and buy season tickets. Have you seen anything from this year on that? I mean, I don't watch those channels very much, so I don't really have a good opinion on the local stuff. But, but okay, so anywhere, as, have you seen no. anything from the from the administration coming out and say, we want you to come to our games? Outside of social media posts and spam emails, I don't see anything about Biden season tickets. I don't see any RCAF tents being set up at different areas. I, I don't see any of that. Zero anything. And it's it's, I understand that there's, there's, at some point, there's a line of demarcation. Okay, am I wasting my time doing this as an administration? Where do I, you know, what's just enough? Like, you can't even go walk on campus. You know, the, the team plays for this, this college, this university. You can't even go walk on that university and see, hey, we have a game today. You know, back when we were in school, you could walk down and buy Rex and all that stuff, and they'd have little signs and posters, and they'd have game day, uh, those little things you stick in the yard or whatever. You'd have that. I don't see that. We used to have we players standing. Made for 
Yeah. I was going to say, we had t-shirts made for pep rallies. Yes. Like back in the day. Like we, I would go, I would take baseball. I, I would make these stupid little printed uh, eight by tens and go uh, staple them to the, to the post on, on campus just to get people to come to pep rallies and baseball games. And guess what? It freaking worked. As stupid as that was, it worked. It worked because it showed that you even cared. I don't. I bet most people didn't even look at the cards. They just go, oh, yeah, we have a game today. I mean, look, it, it, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot. I mean, Brad and, and Orion and all those guys used to stand on the steps and tell people, please come to our games today. And these guys were, like, making the tournament and, and basically local celebrities in Lafayette when they played. Our players can't be bothered to even do, you know, local spots. It's 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 the continued systemic dismantling of our athletic program. I'm sorry, I'm going to keep saying it. Nobody can tell me any different at this point. I see patterns. I see it's continuing. Nobody is doing anything to change what's going wrong. Well, I think to your point Nick about passing out flyers and stuff, we have our own print shop to do it. We have in-house uh resources at our on our campus to be able to do those type of things, I would assume they would want to have the initiative to, to volunteer that. Well, that's your assumption, Jerry. I mean, (laughs) right. But but that's just it. And that, and and look, I know, look, and then we're going to be called negative and we don't support the university, blah, blah, blah. But it's alarm bells. We're trying to ring with people like, like get with it. Other people need to be speaking up and saying these things because it's the truth. Like, why are we working against our attendance being what other schools are doing? Why are we working against our the guys in marketing and advertising being able to sell their product based on the attendance figures that other schools do? We should be working in tandem with the academic part portion of the university to say, okay, guess what? When athletics is successful, Academics is successful, but instead it feels like Big Brother is always watching and whatever we do, case in point with with football and and the the fraternities, you know, participating in football stuff, everything we try to do to be a positive to try to get people to the games, we squash from an academic or Martin Hall standpoint. So you can't. It, you can't have both where you can't say, okay, we're a world renowned R1 institution, but we're going to poo poo on athletics because they're not the front door to the university. T Joe said it many times early in his, in, 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 in his career as president of the university, he said it himself that athletics was super important. And he showed that, especially through the HUD years, we had a, an expansion of our, 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 uh, um, our band scholarships. We had the biggest band ever that we've ever had the university during the HUD years. And then for some reason, after HUD left, that all went away and the focus is 100% academics and then athletics, good luck. You can't you, you can't have one and not the other. You've got to work in tandem. And I feel like there's just this huge disconnect between us wanting to be an R1 university and us wanting to be a superior uh Athletics University, we can be both, but we don't show the commitment to both. We show only the commitment on one side. The scary part is, and somebody said this on social media the other day about, you know, uh, something about people being fans during the Jerry Baldwin era, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, because we're scared to go back to that. 
That's why we're so vocal. That's why we're so passionate. Because we live through the dark ages of UL athletics. And especially when you're talking about our golden child, softball and baseball, when you start, for lack of a better term, screwing with them and doing things like self-sabotaging your attendance, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a big stink about it. Because that's the one thing or the two things that we can't lose are the things that we worked so hard year over year to build where they are today from the ground up. And now you're sabotaging them by saying, oh, oh, all of a sudden we're going to change our attendance counting. That doesn't make sense to me. Leave and, the and again, diamond sports alone. And look, and look, I get we have fans saying that we, we, you know, we don't need to know. We don't need to be in the know because we're fans and administration knows what they're doing and and that's fine and dandy but you know what i'm also again stop looking at us as fans and looking at us as stakeholders as as people who invest investors in a corporation if you buy stock in a corporation you're a voter you get a say and you get to ask the hard questions because guess what if you don't like it you get to sell your stock and then it tanks this is the same thing in ul athletics so don't tell me that we don't get a say and we have to just shut up and let administration do what they're doing because they know what they're doing. This is not a private corporation. This is a public entity. And I'm I'm an investor. So, yeah, I get a say. And, yes, I do have expectations that we hear from them as well. So I'm going to get off of my soapbox now. But, but the point I'm trying to push is that if we are truly invested in athletics as much as we are in academics – then we need to start showing it because again, during the HUD years, we showed it. We, we paid, we had the highest assistant pool for, for salaries in the entire Sunbelt. We had the highest paid coach. We had the big, I'm not going to say the biggest band, but we sure expanded our band more than anybody else did. And we had an exciting game atmosphere. And for some reason after HUD left, that all went away. Even during the Napier years, Napier got more fans in the stands for the conference championship game, despite all of the other stuff. So what is the reason behind it? Why are we starting to go into an $8 million deficit and running off season ticket holders and not doing the actual count? There's a reasoning behind it and we need answers. And again, I'm an investor. I'm giving money willingly. So I want answers. And I don't think that's too much to ask. I well, don't know not, about you not, guys. It's not too much to ask when they came to us. You came to me and said, can you donate? You came to me and said, help us build these programs. I mean, look, I'm, look I think HUD scared the absolute piss out of the administration. I think that's what really happened. I think that they saw how powerful he became and how athletics took over everything and then all the downfall with the Trump stuff and the, you know, the allegations and the sanctions and all this stuff. And obviously what he was doing behind closed doors, which, you know, hopefully that's water under bridge and we can all move on. But I think, they, I think Hudspeth scared the hell out of the administration. So that's one thing you got to consider. But they screwed up basketball. They've screwed up basketball for 25 years. Fine. You screwed up basketball, keep basketball. You screwed up football outside of Napier for, I don't know, minus a few years with HUD. It's been a long time, but they screwed that up too. Baseball and softball built themselves. We built baseball. Yvette and, and all that group of people and them, they built that aside from, from Martin Hall. Aside from athletics, really. They did that aside from it. Tony did it aside from them. In fact, they try, they, Martin Hall tried to kill Tony's athletic uh, or baseball program. So they, they grew on their own. They're their own entities. Leave them alone. 
There's no reason to change how we do a single thing in baseball or softball. Why would you ruin something that is so well done for so long? I'm t- Nobody can tell me there's any other reason than there's a plan ahead of them. There's a plan from above athletics, and it's just being shoved down their throat. There's no other reason. Leave baseball and softball alone. I told Jerry this yesterday. You think I'm a pain in the ass now on Rage and Review? You think I've been a pain in the ass on Rage and Pagin? And you think I've been a pain in the ass donor who may, you make calls and emails? You think I've been a pain in the ass? Screw up baseball. You're gonna see. You're gonna see a pain in the ass. I'm gonna tell you right now because that this you can't you can't ruin you can't take this away from us. Can't take this away from us. This has lasted too long and been too good for too many people. Last thing I'm gonna say, Josh, is we have to figure out what the issue is as fans and push back collectively on what they're doing because the answer is going to be you're being negative. You're all you guys do is be negative and push that aside. Don't listen to them because they're just negative, but we're, we're also realists. Look, the first hour of this broadcast, we were very, we it was everything positive because we had stuff to be positive about. Don't let anybody fool you into thinking the reason we're doing what we're doing is because we're trying to be negative about stuff. Look, again, Brian Billy, I think the world of that guy, and I think he's going to do great things. Joel is is a gem to the university, needs to continue to do what he's doing. But you can't, don't hamper these guys from doing the greatness that they do for unknown reasons. And if you do, we need answers. As investors, again, we're investors. You, we need answers. And again, it's complete silence. And that's fine, but don't expect me to keep giving if you're just going to give me silence back. And again, like you said, Josh, the, the investors are speaking. 2,500 fans, 2,500 season tickets for, for baseball. The fans are speaking. Something's not working. Well, I also think, too, um, I find it funny that, you know, you talked about, Nick, the first hour of positivity, right? Baseball's on a roll. Softball won their game tonight against an in-state rival. And, you know, we'll go on for about 30 to 45 minutes on, like, just ranting about certain things as fans. Things Because here's the thing. We don't – I want to tell everybody that listens to us or follows us. We don't brainstorm in the last hour in a group text going, what can we complain about? This is stuff we hear in, in, from the street, from fans, like people we run into at our grocery stores, at the restaurants, people we talk to on social media. This is feedback we get from fans. It's just we have three people saying it. So another thing I'm going to say real quick about those who say, well, y'all are just negative. Look, until we're proven wrong that we're negative, like until I start seeing attendance numbers go up and until I start seeing you know, our our – uh, number of members donate to things like the RCAF or the crew all we're going to say, we're going to have to say, because the numbers that it's like you say, Josh, I don't care what they say. I care about what they do. This thing about us being negative. It's like, well, we have every reason to justify how we feel because look at the numbers, look at the attendance. And we've been you on know, the right side of history on literally all of this stuff <laughs> on literally all of it. Who's elevated Joel Bio more than us. Who's elevated Brian Billy and tried to get him to be able to do his job better than us? Who's elevated all of these things we've accomplished athletically? We elevated Brian Mackard as long as we possibly could until the results literally said the opposite. 
Who's doing that more than us? There is nobody. So when we're talking about real issues, we're not negative. But they they want to they want other people to believe that we're just miserable people that want to spend two hours every week, come on here and bash everybody. Not close to the truth. We're just on the right side of history and they can't stand it. And they can't defend it because we're right. But the ones who are saying that are the ones sitting in a cage of dome with 900 people out of basketball games. They're sitting inside of a football stadium with 10,000 people that show up against a good opponent. They're they're going to these socials where it's just their little group of 30 people when there should be 300 people at these socials, right? And and that's the thing. You've got and and I know we're for the fans, but we actually have people in our fan base that treat our program like a country club. UL Athletics is not a country club. It is the complete opposite. You're in Acadiana, a blue-collar region. As Cajuns, we we make fun out of, like, we actually know how to have fun with the bare minimum of resources. That's who we are. We don't need to go to a country club to have fun. And so when you start treating our athletic program like a country club and we start saying that's not how we're supposed to progress as a program, that's not us being negative. That's just us having eyes and ears and observing what we see. Again, I don't have to, like, I don't have to spread quote unquote negativity when I go to a basketball game when only 500 people show up. That's not me being negative. That's just me giving you an observation of what I see. We have eyes, we have ears, we know what's going on. I mean, <laughs> it's nothing to be negative about you that you, you see it. But here's the truth, Jerry. Look, I'm in a business where I have a performance um, conversation every year. Incentivized. Right. Yeah. And sometimes the, the message I hear now because I'm such an excellent employee, it's always great, but tied into that conversation are some things that I need to work on to get better at. Could you imagine every year if they tell you, you need to get better at A, B, and C, and then the next year they say, well, you still need to get better at A, B, and C, and then the following year they say, well, you still need to get, I'd probably be fired by now. When they tell me I need to improve in something, I listen, I work at it, I try. I don't ignore it. I don't tell them, well, you're wrong. I'm right. I I try to improve at it. And look, while we're sitting here, if you think I'm wrong and being negative, I got a text. Season ticket prices went up a lot, right? Um, RCAF pissed off a lot of people after COVID. Did they go tailgating, up? Is that true? Tailgating prices are, are ridiculous. I mean, That's true. I, it's like... I'm getting text after text after text of people telling me their gripes about things that are happening. Are they listening? That tells me they're not. That tells me they're not listening. I didn't realize that season tickets went up so much. I didn't realize that was the thing. Well, that's the thing, though. Again, that's what I mean by we're three people on a podcast that are basically giving feedback based on hundreds of people we talk to who buy the product, who buy tickets, who go to the games, who buy tailgating spots, who go to all these events like we're. I mean, that's the feedback we're getting. And I'm telling you, as of late, there's a lot more people that are complaining more than they are being positive, you know, and, and it's a shame. I'm Look, it's not like we want that to happen. I don't enjoy seeing an empty stadium. I don't enjoy hearing that we only sold 2,500 season tickets to the crown, one of the crown jewels of our athletic program. It's not funny. It's not fun to hear that. Jerry, I would love nothing more than to come on every week and say, Man, we are knocking it out the ballpark. Our season tickets are out uh, through the roof. Our our sports are look. Even if football's having a down season, 
if we're doing everything that we can as an athletic department to be successful, I'm going to complain about wins and losses that week. But in the end, I'm going to be like, look, we try. We did our best. We did everything we could do. There are changes that need to be made, but I'm happy as a fan. And, and, and baseball is a perfect example. Look, we are doing everything we can do in baseball. We're knocking it out of the ballpark. But from an administration standpoint, I feel like we're not killing it at all. In fact, I feel like we're detrimental to the program. I'm going to be honest. And you know what? If we come out in a couple weeks and we start reporting attendance like everybody else in the country does, then I'm going to be like, we're on the right track. We're, we're great. Everything is fantastic. But there's this lingering thing that's there in every sport that seems to be against the progress that we're making athletically. And that's disappointing as a fan because, again, I'm an investor. I'm giving money, and all I'm getting back is while we have positive results, all I'm getting back is I feel like stonewalled. Like, well, we're getting better in this, but you know what? Perfect example. Somebody on the message board said, I just got a call from the RCAF asking me for my, you know, credit card number again for, for donations. That's probably the first time that person's heard from RCAF in ever. They they don't make, you know, calls uh, as far as I know, because I'm an RCAF member and nobody's ever called me, but nobody's ever made calls outgoing to say, thank you for being a member. Is there anything we can do from you? What are your thoughts? How can we help? How can we be better? Would you like to give more? The first call this guy probably ever had was, hey, your credit card, we need to do it in the new system. That's not a positive thing. So again, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stop now because I'm just ranting at this moment. And I know we have a lot of things to go through, but it's not about being negative. It's it's about raising the awareness that we need to be better at things. And nobody's listening and nobody's responding. If somebody would respond and even come on this platform, which by the way has more views than the official platform in many ways. If you come on this platform and, and, and give us information, then I think a lot of people would be appeased and would be happier with at least hearing from the plan, the long-term plan, or something. But instead, we get silence, and then we get the, as you say, uh, Josh, the propaganda every so often that everybody looks at each other and goes, yeah, okay. Like, those are planned questions that were planned whatever. We just want honesty. That's all we want. We want honesty and we want a vision and we want answers. That's fair. That's, I mean, that's fair. As an investor, I don't think I'm asking too much. No, that's fair. That's fair. The the shut up and donate strategy never works. And that's look, we've, we've been, UL's been guilty of that many times in the past. Don't, don't question. Just shut up and donate. Well, no, (laughs) no, I'm not. I'll spend my money elsewhere. I got other places I can spend my money. Andy said, if if they call me, I would give an extra $20 just for saying thank you as a member. Rice called me. Rice University called me to ask me to donate money to, to buy extra tickets because I went to, to three games last year. Guess what? I gave them 150 bucks. If somebody from the RCAF called me, I would have given them that money. But instead, it's going to Rice because somebody cared enough to call me. That's all it takes. And and multiply me times however many members you have in the RCAF, and you can make a dent. But instead, you're calling to say, hey, you need to change your credit card number. 
Agreed. And actually, speaking of which, we talk about communication. So, Josh, you brought up earlier. I do want to say and clarify this. Um, we talked about this about a month ago, right? Uh, national media outlets with the football schedule came out and said that it was us that canceled the game against Michigan State for the 2024 football season. Well, the truth came out through, I believe, a FOIA request uh, to Michigan State that it was Michigan State that backed out of the deal with the Cajuns. Uh, Michigan State will compensate uh, Louisiana with $600,000 payout uh, for canceling the game. They will replace Louisiana with Prairie View A&M out of the SWAC uh, to go up there to play in East Lansing. So Cajuns are getting $600,000 from uh, Michigan State. And then their replacement game, they'll also get a payout from Wake Forest, who the Cajuns will travel to Winston-Salem to play uh, in September. But, you know, we talked about this a month ago. You know, what the problem was, that, and the reason why we were concerned about it, was national media and what people from all over the country we were hearing was that we backed out. Well, now the truth comes out that it wasn't us. It was, it was Michigan State. So all in all, that all is well. Everything's fine. But... Personally, I kind of wish we would have said something just because it puts a bad mark on us to make it look like we backed out uh, when you have no, all these no, different No, it's not about people. looking bad. It's about you're running an $8 million deficit and your fans think you just had to pay $500,000 to back out of a game with Michigan State. It's not about looking bad. It's about dollars and cents. You're running an $8 million deficit. You can't raise money. You can't afford anything. And... To us, we're being told from other outlets, national outlets, that we backed out of, we breached a contract for $500,000 fine. That, that's not just, that's like a very major thing that you need to tell your investors, hey, we didn't actually piss away $500,000. That's incorrect. But no, they waited six weeks and somebody had to do a FOIA request. How ridiculous is that? A FOIA request from Michigan State side, not right. even our not guys, us. right? But Here's the point I have. You just said it costs it eight million cost, 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 cost. How much would it have cost for anybody to come out and say the reports are incorrect? Michigan State backed out of the game. Here's the deal. And that's end of statement. It would have cost nothing. It would have cost nothing. But instead, we're silence. And again, like you said, the investors, like you and me, who give money. Are left thinking we just we just paid five hundred thousand to get out of this game, and it took a Michigan State media outlet to actually do the FOIA to do it to to get the information. Why it could have been solved with one simple sentence. I, that it's again it's mind boggling. It's all about it's all about perception at this point. And the perception, even though this came out, is still there was so much media that went out saying that we backed out of the game. Even though they came out with this tweet, people are still going to think we backed out of it. And how does that look on our, us as a program? Terrible. We should have been on top of this and come out with a statement immediately and squashed all the rumors. But instead, it's the usual silence. For some reason, we can't come out and just say stuff. Even if it was an email to investors. Even if it was an RCAF only, you know, email of some kind. Even I just don't understand. Like that's that's basic business 101. You take care of the people who pay the bills. 
But no, they're going to just let people believe that that happened. I mean, should we take credit for pushing the issue? Because nobody else was talking about that. But what's the benefit, Josh? That's what I don't get. What's the benefit benefit in the silence? Like, that? that's what I don't understand is why did you not just come out with a simple, again, a paragraph saying, no, we did not back out. Michigan State asked it for these reasons. We accepted. You don't even have to go into dollar amounts. Just say we didn't back out of it. Because, Nick, you peasants and us serfs, we don't deserve information. We're not good enough for them to take 30 seconds of their time and say something. They, we, they got bigger things to do. They got, you, got, you know, bourgeoisie things they got to get to. They don't have time to appease you and your, your $50 or your, $50, your $500 or your $1,000 a year. They don't give a damn. They got other stuff to do. All right, Jerry. I've been negative enough. Let's get to some positive. Give me something. All right. Something. Well, I'll get anyway. I know we got something positive. So we actually went down the rabbit hole of attendance and we turned into this for baseball. But the good news is, is we can hopefully increase the attendance numbers this weekend because the Cajuns will host the Rice Owls starting Friday. It'll be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, normal, regular weekend series. The Cajuns will play Rice out of the American Conference. Uh, they'll take them. They'll take on Rice Friday night at 6 p.m. Uh, 2 p.m. on Saturday, and uh, they will take on Rice to close out the weekend series on Sunday at 1 p.m. Don't forget, you can catch all three games on ESPN+. Plus. Yes, we will televise all three games. On Friday and Sunday, you can listen to Jay and Brad on the air at 96.5, pal and on Saturday, they'll be on 105.1. So uh, both radio, both uh, TV the weather should be great. I'm hoping, knock on wood, we should have some nice weather this weekend. I know, Josh, you plan on being there. I plan on being there. We got some friends who are might be driving in from out of state. Nick, I think you were talking about coming in. So it should be a fun weekend of baseball. And and look, if you enjoyed the the atmosphere at the Teague last weekend, after starting, you know, we're off to a decent start. We're three and one. The team's fun to watch. I expect another good crowd this weekend, and I expect some really good baseball. So um get, get if you have a chance go out to the tee go support the cajuns go watch this really really gritty team because i expect this team to not only compete but get better as time goes on and i think they'll get better this weekend i do want to ask before we move on to uh to softball real quickly what do you want to see this weekend against rice i want to see an improvement on the base paths um and and tonight was a little bit of an anomaly because for some reason, all the players on both sides of the field were were over sliding base paths, bases. So uh, I just want to see us be smarter on the base pass, clean up some of the silly stuff in the outfield uh, when it's not, you know, 30 mile per hour winds. But again, we're we're approaching March. It's going to be windy out there. So our guys need to know how to make adjustments. That's really all I want to see. Um, just continue with the consistency at the plate. Some guys get a little bit tougher, get a little bit better out there. I want to see a little bit more out of Debo. But all in all, just really clean up some of the mistakes, and I'll be a happy camper. I want to see more Chase Morgan. I want to see more guys like uh, we hadn't seen much Brenneman. I don't think we've seen Brenneman at all. Uh, I don't know if he's healthy or not, but I'd like to see him come out of the pen. Um, I want to see more development out of Max Mandino because he has some tools. Uh, Maddox Mandino, excuse me. He's got some tools, and I look forward to him, uh, as well as uh, Alexander, uh, the transfer from Delgado. 
I, I, those guys have a lot of something. I got to see more of it. I can't wait to see what uh, what they turn into. But I, I just want to see the pitching continue to develop. I think the Gunner effect is already in full swing. And, you know, you'd love to see Debo and, and JT get on track. But I got to tell you, man, the more that the other guys in the lineup are forced to produce, uh, that's only going to pay dividends for down the road. So even if they don't get on track this coming weekend, there's still there's still going to be some positive come out of that. If we can take two or three from Rice at home, which uh, I think we should do, take two or three, you move on, and you get ready for uh, Northwestern State, and then you, you you go to Houston for what's going to be probably the most anticipated uh, TSAB Cajuns game in the recent uh, past. Since the Super Regional, by far, since 2015. So, you know, they, they don't look very good. Uh, they're They're scraping by really bad teams. So, you know, I don't know how good they are. Just because they won last year doesn't mean anything. They lost a lot. Uh, but it's going to be fun to, to get ready for that series. Of course, you know, Vanderbilt lost tonight to, I'm not sure who, but they did lose. Dayton. They lost to Dayton. So Dayton beats Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to have a great test on Friday. Then you get the, the guys from Tiger from Tigerland, and then, you you know, you play Houston on Sunday to come home. It's going to be a fun weekend. But let's take care of business against Rice. Let's get two out of three. That's always the goal. I think what I'm looking forward to this weekend personally is I want to see the pitchers continue to get more time on the mound. Um, I want to see what I want to see some of these, like I said, these these guys who haven't really played as much. You know, I want to see more of Caleb Stelly. I want to see a little bit more of Mandino, like you had mentioned. I'll, you know, look, Mandino again, he's a freshman, and so I don't expect the, the the guy to go out and and rake, but I do expect to see him kind of adjust to the game and, and continue to compete. Um, I want to see Josh Alexander continue to, to progress uh, as well as someone like a Brian Broussard to come off the bench like he did on Sunday against Wright State. Uh, I know Debo and JT are, I mean, look, they had they each had, I think, two hits tonight um, against Magnese, and they looked really good. I expect them to start clicking as well. And I want it to, I want it, I want to see so much, I want to see enough progress to where by Sunday, Deggs is looking at his lineup going, okay, who do I play? Because I know right now we're experimenting a little bit, but let's be honest. Look, some of these guys coming off the bench have stepped up through four games. It's it's early, but they have. So I want to, by Sunday, even though it's early in the season, I know we're experimenting with our lineup and our pitching. I want him to look at the lineup go, hmm, who can I play on? Who can I play today? But you know what's funny, Jerry, is that in years past, Josh, I will call you out on this. We've been frustrated with with the lineup changes. Like when they didn't have a consistent lineup, like who's going to be starting? Like we were frustrated with that. But I feel like this year is different. We're not wondering who's going to be starting where because we have guys who we all have confidence in being any position anywhere in the lineup at any time. So that to me is what is different from this year versus past is we had a bunch of guys who we thought could possibly play, but we're in the lineup and we're not sure where they fit. And then Deggs is like, you know, changing it around. And we're concerned that guys don't feel like they're solidified in where they are on the team. This year feels different. I don't know about you guys, but to me, it feels different to me. It feels like we have a bunch of guys who could play anywhere at any time. And the lineup doesn't matter. Is that we have the me? personnel. We have the personnel. I well, mean, that, that's it's simple. We got the personnel. I don't. I think you don't feel like you need to score six, seven, eight runs to win this year. I think that you have the pitching staff that can hold the damn. 
So that's that's a little bit uh, that's how that's why I feel a little bit more comfortable in letting new guys get in there and like a, you know and and by the way every it feels like you get a little bit more confidence when you see a guy like Brian Broussard come in and get a jet, almost hit the ball out of the ballpark in his first at bat on Sunday. Guys like Anderson, uh, excuse me, uh, Alexander come in there and hit the ball over the ballpark. Past story, his first at bat, he almost hits one out of the park. He slaps one in the gap. I mean, there are other names that I can mention, but I've, you you get it's easy to get a little more comfortable with these guys when they're producing right away. But I think even beyond that, I think the pitching staff makes you feel good about giving more time. I was going to say, Robichaux is still out for another month, so that's another weapon that we have. So, yeah, I feel like we're deep in every position. Um, it's not as big a concern as, as it has been in prior years for me. And that's and that's one name I forgot to mention, Duncan Pastore. I, I want to see him continue to develop because, like, tonight he had two hits. He, You know, it's hard to replace a guy like Max Marshak at third base because Max was just so athletic. But at the same time, I think where Duncan can step in, besides playing a decent third base, is his bat. He can hit. I mean, look, let's be honest. As much as I love Shaq, Shaq was always the guy that would try to bunt because he wasn't a power hitter. He really, you know, he was kind of, it was kind of an unknown with him at the plate. Whereas I feel like with Pastore, he can hit. He's got power to his swing. He could crush it if he wanted to. Kind of like Tyler Robinson was at third base for a while. Like you knew the guy could rake when he wanted to. And I feel the same with Duncan. I think it's going to take him a little time to develop. But so far from what I've seen, it looks like at each at bat he, he for each at bat that he has had, it feels like he's gotten more comfortable. And I think eventually he's going to click at the plate. And I think he's going to click at third base. So he's somebody that I'm looking forward to seeing as well develop. And and, and I think by the end of the season he's going to be great. great I'm just going to say it again. We're only four games into the season. Like we have so much more baseball to play. We do, and we're all we're already excited as where we are. It's been a while since we've been here, boys. It's very doesn't true. It, doesn't yeah. it feel like we've watched these guys play 10 games, though? It does. It, it does. They're familiar. Like pros already. It yeah. Does. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Duncan Pastore feels like a seasoned veteran to me. I mean, you watch him play, he just it, – its uh, it, that's his home. I mean, he, he fits the bill. He looks like the corner third baseman that you want. He swings it with, with, with intent, but it doesn't look foolish when he misses. He's just got a presence about him. I would say that about several guys on this roster. It's true. And I, I like the fact that what's really key here with the intangibles we talked about, they look comfortable. You know, usually when you have to take like, – like, I mean, look, Jack Martinez plays at a D3 school last year, right? He's pitching for a D3 team, comes in against a team that's going to regionals the last five out of eight years and just shuts them down in five innings. You know how hard that is to do? You know, the last time I actually saw a pitcher do that for us was Gunnar Leger. That was Gunnar. And now he's coaching him. So, I mean, you know, and then you add the depth to the pitching staff and, and they all have this sense of confidence. I mean, it's it's exciting, guys. I, I, I have not. And look, I was more concerned about this team because of the newcomers. But from what I saw this weekend and how they just fight back and they just grind, I Man, I I am I love the fact that I love watching a a successful developing team because you know they're going to get better. Now, granted, injuries happen, things happen, but as long as they stay healthy and continue to progress, I mean, I, I mean, you don't. How often do we go to Lake Charles and and win by nine runs or eight runs? Right? I mean, even our best teams, even teams that have hosted regionals, have lost over there. Look at what this team did tonight. You you hung eight runs on them in the first inning. Without even letting them bat. But think about it, Jerry. Like, in the world of NIL and Transfer Portal, you didn't hear a whole bunch of guys leaving this team 
And then you got guys that have come to the team that have proven themselves as part of really, again, I know it's silly, but Wolfpack mentality, which is Deg's thing. You, to me, as as a fan, this is the first year I feel like Deg's has his team where every single player has bought into that. Prior years, you always have a couple of players that you're like, oh, they, they don't really fit. They don't feel like they're there. Pitchers, infielders, like it just didn't feel like it matched. There is not one guy that I have seen on this team thus far this season that I've looked at and said, yeah, he's not really one of Deggs' guys. Every single one of the players that he has on this roster that I've seen so far feels like he's a Deggs guy. And you know what I mean when I say that. Deggs, Deggs is tough, right? Deggs is no nonsense. And in the world of, of daddy ball, as the road would call it, not all kids respond to that. But you feel like the guys he has on this roster are responding to his coaching. And look, at JT could have said, screw this. I'm out. I'm going to go to another team and like do my thing and be a showboat and get paid. But he's chose to stay with Deggs, right? And and these guys chose to stay with him because they respond to that coaching. I like the roster that we have probably more than I have since he's been here. Again, I, I'm excited about this season, and I think it starts with the roster that that Wells recruited to Deggs's coaching style and mentality. I love what I see. Agree. And I would also add this. In the in years past, when you'd hear players do post-game interviews or talk about the team, hitters and position guys were talking about hitters and position guys. Pitchers were talking about pitchers. They asked JT and Debo about, you know, getting a spark in the Sunday game, and they both said when Hammer entered and entered with intent, it kind of fired the dugout up. And they've made different, they've made other comments about, uh, it was uh, Martinez that they made comments about. The team feels like we've got some serious unity here. When you got pitchers giving kudos to position guys and position guys giving kudos to pitchers, I mean, I mean, cats and dogs are getting along here. I mean, what, what's going on? So you can go a long way. You can outgrit people. You can outwill people. And that's probably going to – if you want to go to Omaha, it's got to happen sometimes. Maybe sometimes you're not the most talented team on the field. But if you have the guys that are playing for each other and they trust the pitching staff and the pitching staff trust the offense to get them through something, man, that's one hell of a marriage. So I thought that was all – so. Uh, also interesting, and I thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, and Martinez said it himself. He was like, look, I, you know, I was challenged. I was happy to be challenged, but I wasn't worried because the guys in the lineup behind me had my back. I haven't heard that in a really long time, so I appreciate you saying that. No doubt, no doubt. So once again, guys, uh, Cajuns will host Rice this weekend, three-game series at the Teague. Hope to see you there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, looking forward to it, and hopefully they continue this momentum that we've seen the last the last four games. Uh, moving on real quickly to softball. Um, right now, look, Cajuns are struggling a little bit. They're trying to find their identity. Uh, tonight, it looks like they were able to redeem themselves after a, kind of a disappointing weekend. Cajuns hosted Baylor uh, at Yvette Girard Field at Lampson Park. Uh, on game one uh, on Friday night, Cajuns took care of business, winning four to one. Uh, the cold weather actually caused the um, series to be postponed until Sunday, which they played a doubleheader. Cajuns lost the game, uh, the first game by a score of six to nothing, and then lost a close one uh, by the final score of three to two. And, uh, you know, because of that, the Cajuns lost the series. 
uh, two games to one to Baylor. Uh, they came back tonight at Eventure Art Field at Lamson Park, redeemed themselves against Louisiana Tech. I think this was a much needed win for them. Uh, they got fell behind to the to the Lady Dogs uh, by the score of one nothing in the beginning, and then they just started hitting the ball, getting timely hits. And I think it was at one point, I think it was like seven to one, and then Tech scored two more runs, made it seven to three. Cajuns close it out by the final score of nine to three, marking the thirty first straight victory over Louisiana Tech softball. So kudos to the ladies for um, for fighting back and grinding tonight. I think again they needed this game. They needed this game because this weekend uh, the Cajuns will travel to Austin, Texas to play in the Lone Star State Invitational. They'll play in five games starting on Friday. It will be a doubleheader against Stanford and Texas. So their schedule does not get any easier. That'll follow with uh, a doubleheader on Saturday as well against Colorado State and Stanford. And then rounding out their five-game uh, their, their tournament stand in Austin, they'll play Texas on Sunday. So they play on Friday against Stanford at 11 a.m. They'll follow that up with Texas at 4 p.m. On Saturday, they'll play Colorado State at 11 a.m., followed by Stanford at 1.30. And then on Sunday, they'll finish the tournament against Texas at 12.30. All of these games will be televised, but it will be on the Longhorn Network. So if you have a subscription to the Longhorn Network, you can watch it. If not, you can listen to Cody Juno and Bobby Neva on uh, 103.3 FM or 14:20 a.m. So, look, that's five games. Let's see what they can do. Let's see how they respond. Hopefully, tonight kind of boosted them a little bit, brought some confidence back. Uh, right now, the Cajun softball team six sits at a record of six and five. So, hopefully, this weekend they can uh, get some wins and and kind of you know get a little bit of get some of that momentum back. Because what's been disappointing about the softball team right now with some of these losses. It's almost like a game of inches with them. The game against Baylor. I mean, they left so many runners on base, they couldn't score anybody. You know, you you had a great pitching, you had a great pitching duel, and we just couldn't get the timely hit. And then when we hit the ball, we give up too many runs or make errors on defense. So you just want everything to click. That's the main thing. Just hopefully everything clicks this weekend in Austin. Yeah. Look, I um it's been disappointing so far because you thought you had a little bit of hope and then they started dropping games and some of the things that you've seen in past seasons starting to creep up again, the, the mental errors, the errors in the fielding um, struggles at the plate, you know, pitching, not being clutch at, at the right moment. I I'm not, I'm not saying that at the end of the season, they're going to be where they need to be. But we said this, you know, prior to the season starting, we have to win these games against top level competition to be in conversations for regional bid. I think we might have already played ourselves out of a regional bid. I know I know that sucks to say a couple weeks into the season, but you can't give the committee a reason to, to keep you out of hosting a regional. I think we've done that already. I'm not saying we're not going to be a regional. I think we're going to we're going to breeze through the Sunbelt schedule. I think we've shown it tonight against Louisiana Tech because LaTeX an average team and they were 6 and 0 on the season. 
And I think we're going to see a lot of average, no disrespect to any Sunbelt teams, but I think we're going to see a lot of average teams through the season. But again, you've got to beat the teams like a Baylor. And we did one game, but then we dropped the next two. Cal was not that great last season, by the way, and we dropped a game against them. And then you go on a losing streak. I mean, it just, it all builds to you being disappointing in the first half of the season, giving them a chance to say, you're not good enough to host no matter what you do the rest of the year. So for that reason, I'm a little bit concerned at the fact that we may not get the opportunity at this point to host a regional. I fully expect ourselves to be in a regional again, because that's the, that's the, the uh, really the bottom line of expectation for the softball team. But we got to take a step forward this season, man. We can't, we, there's, to me, there's no way we can go into a regional and not win it and then get to super and get, and go 0-2. I feel like this is a year we need to either make noise in the super or get to Oklahoma City. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, look, Coach Glasgow is a great coach. I'm not saying at any point that, that his, his job security is in question, but uh, you're a little bit concerned early in the season that we haven't progressed farther than we expected to with the returners we haven't coming back. We talked about some of the 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 new ladies that were coming in from Florida and other places that we were really high on. And it may take a little bit longer than we expected to gel, but that's got to happen a lot quicker. And that starts this weekend. Again, I think we may have already played ourselves out of hosting a regional and something uh, unless something outrageous happens but look tsab down the road is undefeated i believe to this point in the season we may see ourselves there again this year where we we don't want to be and and we can't blame anyone but ourselves so we've got to start now getting better against ranked and really good competition because again all the sunbelt stuff is going to be ignored by the committee they're looking at ranked teams. They're looking at good competition. And so far, we've not lived up to the expectation that we thought we should have. So we got to get better quickly to be able to be in that conversation later in the year. Unfortunately, I was completely and totally locked into baseball. So I didn't really watch softball. I don't really have any takes on specific performances or results or whatever, but just on paper, it looks like a carbon copy of last year and the year before that and the year before that. Now, I am not going to be the spoiled fan that says, oh, we got to do something. I understand that it's unfortunate that the formula is you got to play all these really, really good out-of-conference teams early in the year in order to be able to host. That just is the formula. I think if we play Baylor halfway through the season, we beat Baylor two out of three easily. I think if we beat Cal half or we play Cal halfway through the season, same thing. We beat them easily. I think that it's just an unfortunate thing that we got to go through. Having said that, you knew what this was. You got to beat Mississippi State. That that wasn't a good team. They're all right, but no way should they sweep you. You you can't lose to Cal. Now I'll give Cal some credit. They beat another ranked team, and they I think they're undefeated. Maybe no, they have one loss, and it was us. But but to this point, Cal wasn't half as good as what Baylor was. I didn't think, and I think Baylor's a good team. I don't think they're great. I think a couple of plays go our way in the in the uh, Sunday game, the second half, the second game on Sunday, and we beat the team. We went, we could we could have scored six runs on that team. I, I don't know, man. I, I 
There's so many things that can happen from now until the end of the season. Do I think we can go on the road uh, and win a regional? Of course, we've done it. We did it last year. We've done it many times. Do I think we can win a super regional on the road? Well, to this point, you know, that's kind of Jerry's ceiling. He hasn't been able to break through. I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm just saying it would be a new watermark for him. And uh, it's about that time. It's about that time. I think we're not the only ones saying that. Uh, And again, like Nick said, I'm certainly not calling for his job or anything. It would be ridiculous. But if you had high expectations for this team, and I think Jerry did, Glasgow, I mean, Coach Glasgow, I think he had high expectations, and as as most of us did, with the core that we hate, we had coming back and the transfers that we got. So I don't know. I think it's just flat out disappointing. I mean, you got to be able to get runners in. You got to be able to make big time plays and big time moments. And to this point, we've shown kind of the opposite. You know, mental errors, kicking the ball around, um, not getting the runner in with less than two outs. It's just. It's, it's again, it's a carbon copy of what we've seen for two or three years. And I hope they turn it around. I certainly know they have the talent to. And I still trust the depth of the pitching staff. I think we were as deep as we were last year, if not better. So we'll see. Unfortunately, this is where we're at. And now you got to go and you, you got to win at least three games this weekend against some of the best teams in the country. I was about to say that this is a perfect weekend for them to, to redeem themselves from the last few performances they've had. So. Um, again, you got a five-game slate this weekend against some good competition. So we'll see what happens. Moving on to women's basketball, real quick. Um, Coach Gary and the Coach Gary Broadhead and the ladies uh, return back to the hardwood tomorrow night. They will travel to South Alabama to take on the Lady Jaguars. Um, last week, they went two for two on the week, uh, victorious against Georgia Southern at home by the score of sixty-two to fifty-seven. They also defeated Arkansas State by the score of 59-46 to on Senior Day. And uh, right now, uh, the Cajuns women's basketball team has a three-game win streak. They sit with a 12-12 and overall record and 7-7 and in conference play, so hopefully clicking at the right time. And again, they will travel to uh, Mobile tomorrow to take on South Alabama, and Saturday they'll go to San Marcos to play Texas State. Uh, you can catch both games on ESPN+. Plus and listen or listen on 103.3 or 1420 a.m. All right, rounding out our night, we'll talk some men's basketball. Uh, The Cajuns men's basketball team had a road trip last week. They flew out to Norfolk, Virginia last Thursday night, taking on Old Dominion. Uh, They beat the Monarchs by the score of 68 to 60. Uh, Believe it or not, they – Old Dominion actually had a decent comeback in the second half. I thought the Cajuns made some key shots when it mattered. They were able to close out that game and get the get the road dub. Uh, the big one was App State on Saturday. Uh, Cajuns went to Boone, North Carolina to take on 21-5. Well, now they're 22-5. App State, first place in the conference in front of a crowd of 6,500 fans. So the place was rocking. They were ready to go. And uh, Cajuns were off to a great start. Uh, I thought they were pretty much going toe-to-toe with them. I mean, Hosanna Katinje probably played his best game as a Cajun uh, last Saturday. And uh, they led by two at half. But unfortunately, second half, uh, App State in the final seven minutes just came out and, and dominated when it mattered. They made some key three-pointers. We couldn't make, some, we couldn't make shots um, couldn't make shots down the stretch. And so, uh, unfortunately, uh, we call, some people call it the Bob Marlin special. Coach Marlin calls a timeout. We're up 62 to 57, I believe, with seven minutes to go. And right after that, App State goes on a 28 to 11 run uh, as the final score 
uh, showed App State victorious over Louisiana by the score of 85-73. to 73. Uh, The Cajuns' record now sits at 17-10 and 10 overall, 9-5 and 5 in conference play, and they are currently uh, in fourth place in the Sunbelt Conference with, I believe, they have four games to go on the schedule. Uh, they'll travel to ULM on Thursday to take on the Warhawks. They We won the first meeting, I believe, by either eight or ten points. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, but they'll take on ULM going for the season sweep. And then they'll play Southern Miss on Saturday at 2 p.m. in Hattiesburg. Uh, that'll be the first of uh, two games uh, of the Southern Miss matchup as Southern Miss will come back to Lafayette uh, next week to round out the homestand for Louisiana. So uh, two big games on the road coming up. Uh, just some stats to run through App State real quick. Uh, one thing I've noticed, again, Hosanna had the best game, I thought, in a Cajuns uniform, 23 points, 13 rebounds. London Fields came off the bench, scored 13 points. Joe Charles had nine points with eight rebounds. Kobe Julian had nine points. And Famous Falks rounded out at eight points. Uh, Cajuns from the three-point line shot six for 22. And that's, as we all know, if the Cajuns can't shoot from three, they don't really have a good chance to win. It showed that, plus... App State just sunk their shots when it mattered in the second half. Uh, Cajuns were 31 for 69 from the field. Uh, so that's under under 50% from the field. And uh, they went five for five on free throws, which Coach Marlin actually addressed the fact that we got five free throws. Uh, we're going to get to that pretty much now. Um, so there were some interesting quotes that happened during and after the game by Coach Marlin. Uh, App State Twitter, okay, We have a love-hate relationship with App State fans. Uh, There's a lot of mutual respect. Uh, It's a very friendly rivalry, kind of like we have what we have with Southern Miss. You know, when we play them, we hate them. But, you know, when we're not playing each other, there is a a certain level of respect we have for them. They're a very passionate fan base. They they love their Mountaineers. They support their team through and through. And so, as we all know the story about the whole Finding Nemo and how Coach Marlin apparently had a student thrown out uh, of the game years back – they remembered that and they their student section came prepared well at halftime for those who don't know uh coach marlin had an interview and basically he stated that uh, we've played in tougher environments than this little did we know and little did we know uh that video went viral in like within 10 minutes and there were actually people in the stands who at halftime were looking through their twitter they were looking on social media and that video leaked so pretty much the entire arena got <laughs> the video at halftime and let's just say the environment was uh, a little tougher um, in the second half where, again, App State uh, outscored the Cajuns by a score of 48-34. to 34, And I guarantee you that home court advantage played a big role in that. Not saying that was the main reason, but, you know, I look back and I'm like, man, coach, come on, man. You can't say those things, especially when you know App State is gunning for uh, some of your quotes that you've said in the past about them and all that Finding Nemo stuff. And uh, it backfired. Uh, Follow that up with Monday's press conference. Uh, Coach Marlin made a point where he said that uh, um, we only shot five free throws. App State had 17 free throws. And apparently there was a fun fact that this was the eighth time in Coach Marlin's tenure uh, here at UL where he played a game where the other team had less than 10 fouls. Um, And, of course, social media, App State social media between the quote at halftime as well as uh, that quote about the fouls, it's going viral with App State's fan base. Um, 
One thing that's interesting that I find about the whole, you know, App State had less than 10 files. App State's actually fourth in the country uh, with the least amount of files. They're in the bottom four or the top four when it comes to their team not fouling. So uh, I don't think that was the refs. Uh, the refs did not cost us to lose that game on on th- on Saturday. We just look. App State made the shots when we didn't. We couldn't play well down the stretch as much as we competed. But um, you know, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of coaches speak. Uh, I thought that was a little too much personally. And and I'm I'm just gonna say, come on, coach. You can't you can't say those things. You, you just can't. Come on, come on. So Jerry, typically coach speak is playing down the opponent, right? And, and not giving them bulletin board material. Yeah, it, it seems like he's doing the opposite these days. He, he's, he's serving it right up for them. And look, again, I want to say I have nothing against Bob Marlin as a human being. I like Bob no, personally. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with like, anything right. personal. I just no. want to throw that out there because I don't want anybody. Oh, you're going to have some people. Oh, you just don't like them. Nope. Well, nope. his wife already blocked nope. me on Twitter for some unknown reason, but that's beside the point. Like, I, and and Andy said it, the smirk when he said the thing, well, we played under tougher environments. Why are you saying that? Like, that had nothing to do with the question he asked. The guy asked you, what do you have to do in the second half? You know, this is a tough environment. What do you have to do in the second half to, to, to win the game? And he goes into this thing about, well, we have to shoot, Better three. We have to shoot more threes. We have to execute on offense. But I played under better environments. It's 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 like the thing. Uh, I mean, he said a couple. He, he's he's done it throughout the season. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Like he's always put his foot in his mouth. And this goes back to the the Will Wade days where he insulted them by saying they play in a gym. Like it's just silly things that that can be easily avoided. And the, the the whole blaming the refs thing every game, like at some point you just have to hold guys accountable and said, look, they were the better team. They played better than we did. We didn't execute as good as, as we thought we could. But if we see them in this conference tournament, we'll remember this and we'll be better. That's literally all you have to say as a head coach. You don't have to go into these petty arguments with the guy who's just trying to interview you and saying these things. And, and to me, that's what bothers me. Don't give the other team a reason to hate you and, and bulletin board material. That's so unnecessary. And what, what got me about that was we were only up by two. Like it was like when you're up by two on the road in an environment like that, you might as well call it a tie game. It's not if, if we were up by 20 and you said that, okay, you have enough of a cushion to where you know, you can hold that lead. You were up by two points on the road. But regardless, I mean, mean, despite all of that, kudos to the app state fans, because we've been told, well, we can't get fans on the Cajun Dome because it's on ESPN plus, and we can't get fans in because of this and the weather and the, this and the, that, and they, they fill their, I'll, I'll take a Marlin quote, fill their gym with 6,500 fans that were loud and rowdy. And by the way, he says one thing, and then 20 minutes later, it's it's in the whole student section because they saw it on the on their app, and they that's that's what we need more of as a uh, as a fan base. But look again, Josh said it earlier the 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 tickets sold 
the attendance speaks for itself. And, uh, you know, people get tired of the, the, the excuses and the same old thing and the, the ribbing the other fan base for no reason and saying these outrageous quotes for no reason. Look, just go out and, and execute and play basketball and keep all that silly stuff. You don't have to be a smart ass uh, in front of a bunch of fans just to make your point and smirk when you say it. Like that's that's not who we are as raging Cajuns. And that and I expect more of our coaching staff. Look, if you, me, or Josh says it, that's one thing because we're fans. But you expect more of a head coach, and I would hope that he does better. Um, that's all I have to say about that. I don't want to get I don't want to get canceled by the, by the admin by saying anything more. But you feel like a head coach of the program should be a little more accepting of the fact that he's going to get trolled and not take it so personally and also not fire back in the media because that just that doesn't ever end well for you, especially with a fan base like App State who hang on to everything you say. It's not going to end well for us. That's what a real fan base looks like if they wanted to know. That's what it looks like. But uh, yeah, and they wonder why nobody goes to the games. I mean, this is why. Bob Marlin said something dumb. Water's wet. I don't care. It's baseball season. I could care less. I couldn't care less. It's baseball season. Bob Marlin said something dumb. It's uh, you know. All right. Well, look, Josh. If somebody would have showed up in the in the pinstripes like App State basketball fans had in a, in the overalls with nothing underneath, I'm sure they'd been kicked out for being inappropriate. So sure. that's a whole other conversation. But we don't allow our fans to be fans. So. And that's why yeah. we don't have any. Yeah. So there's baseball go. season. It's baseball we allow season. Section A to be Section A. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm not participating in this negativity. But but isn't but let's be honest. Let's be honest. You're in the final stretch of basketball season. You're still in fourth place with a chance to make a run at it if you wanted to. And yet the top story is a halftime quote. Like, nobody's talking about the game. They're talking about what was said at halftime and talking about what was said in the press conference the other day. The team is still in the hunt for the conference championship, whether we believe it or not. They are. Technically, mathematically, they are. And yet, here we are going, why are we saying these things? Like, what? Like why not Why not focus on the actual games? Why not like, why focus not on ourselves? That's my question. Like, focus on yourself. Don't worry about the other team. What what they do, you cannot control. What you can control is what you do. And that to me is what we need to be focused on and not I played under more you know, this is not the toughest environment and the refs this that and the other like we see right through that man just just worry about ourselves. Focus on what we can do to be better. And and look, it's not about defending the players. You're not even doing that at this point. You're just being silly. Just just tell us what we can do to be better. Do the co- I would rather Jerry the coach speak in this case than than whatever we're doing because what we're doing is just embarrassing. Honestly, and it's indefensible. I can't defend that. It's true. It's true. Anyway, again, Cajuns men's basketball will travel to Monroe Thursday night. Tip off at 7.30 p.m., uh, and then they'll go to Southern Miss, and uh, Nick will have his – I'm sure Nick will be watching for attendance, right, Nick? You're making sure that they fill up that gym and 
or that arena. Whatever you say, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the running joke, right? It's the running joke. Nick talking about Southern Miss attendance. Uh, I, I, oh, I can't. To- yeah, I can't wait. They're gonna. They're gonna. Well, you see, <laughs> they're gonna Southern wait. Miss is the perfect example of what we need to strive to be because they could have. They could have a, a, a quarter filled. Uh, barn over there and they'll say oh we had 10,000 people in attendance and everybody will believe it and and when I say where where are the guys in baseball you say you had a full stadium they'll be like well, they're all in the roost well the roost must hold 100,000 people anyway I'm not going to get into that but. <laughs> yeah once again yeah the Cajuns will travel Saturday to Southern Miss to take on the Golden Eagles tip off for that game is at 2 p.m. you can catch all the action on ESPN Plus for both games or listen to 96.5 KPEL. So um, good luck to the to the men's. Let's bounce back from that Saturday game. Well, guys, we've talked about a lot. We talked baseball. We talked a little bit about the whole ticket thing. We talked about football and riding the ship of the perception of what happened with the Michigan State game. We talked softball. We talked women's and men's basketball. Anything else you want to talk about before we go? how much time it will take me to edit this tomorrow. Um, outside of that, no, man, it's, it's there, there was a lot to talk about, but all in all, very excited about where this baseball season's going. And I'm going to speak on behalf of Josh. Cause I, I think he's going to say the same thing. Um, for me right now, baseball is what's <laughs> what, what's keeping me grounded and holding on to this athletic department until football season next year. So um, hopefully we can continue to do really good things and have a great season and uh, just, just happy about where I feel things are going. So Josh, I'll, I'll let you comment on that. Well, yeah, I mean, you said it, I'm happy. It's baseball season. You get the positive Matt positive Matt is incoming. I'll be here until probably June. So uh, enjoy it while you can. Uh, I want to let everybody know that the number one team in college baseball lost tonight. Uh, they must have showed up drunk to UNC Greensboro because they lost four to three over there. Pretty wild, but that's why we love the sport. It's always unpredictable. Well, Josh, TSAT fans will tell you about it because they've been bragging. For some reason, they're getting a lot of pleasure out of Wake Forest losing a game tonight. I don't. That's weird, but whatever. I don't know. They're they're really they're really in a triumphant spirit after they overcame the powerhouse of Central Arkansas to to win uh, yesterday. So like you know, two, four to three or something. Four to three know, and whatever. had to use a bunch of people. Whatever. Hey, good for them. I, I like our team. I, I like the stock. Uh, I like us. But uh, but anyway, I'd just like to thank you all for the opportunity to be on your show, and I enjoyed my time. The Teague the Teague is back, man. And when they, I was telling Jerry today when after we get through. Uh, Rice, and we get through Northwestern. Whatever happens in Houston can be a real pivoting, a real pivotal point uh, for the for the Teague kind of getting back to that pre twenty sixty or twenty seventeen feeling where when you walk in, you know it's going to be electric every minute of every you know every second of every game where every pitch matters, and it just felt like that extra something was there. The Teague, it always is fun and it's always buzzing, but. I feel like we're on the cusp of something really special. And I know that's kind of bizarre to say four games into the season. I think that if we can take care of business and then go into Houston and open some eyes, Teague might be a special place to be for the rest of the year. That's the exciting part about it. And, you know, the Teague showed some promise last year at some games. I remember the Friday night game against Coastal Carolina last year was was so much fun. And you just felt that energy. And, and look, the energy's always been there. It just hasn't been there 
like since it hasn't really been there from like what we felt at the old Teague. It's still there, but it's not, if that makes sense. And I think it's slowly returning. I, I, I Look, I felt the energy this weekend. I felt it this weekend on Friday night. I felt it on Sunday afternoon when we made that eighth that eighth inning at rally. Josh, we were sitting right by each other. You, you could feel that energy in there. And I think if, like you said, if you make if we make some noise in that Houston tournament, especially considering the fact that the following weekend is against Tulane at the Teague, oh, can't ask for anything better than that. But let's focus on Rice first. Cajuns take on Rice this weekend. Hopefully, we'll see you at the Teague. Of course, you can watch. Women's basketball, softball, as well as men's basketball, all on ESPN Plus because we do televise our games, unlike some other schools. Uh, so there's a lot of Cajun action this weekend. So you take your pick. Take your pick. You want to go watch a game at the Teague? You can go. You want to turn it on the TV, grill, and have some drinks and watch basketball and softball? Have at it. So lots of Cajun activity going on. Uh, once again, want to thank our sponsors. We want to thank. Uh, Dr. Brett Venable, Recovery Chiromed, and as well as Absolutely Embroidery and more. Please support local. They support the pod. Go support them. Also, if you like what we do, please like, subscribe, comment. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, TikTok. You can also listen on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify. Nick will have this episode up as soon as he can. Nick, Josh, thank you so much for hanging out with hanging with out with me tonight, right? I, could have been anywhere else, but I wanted to hang out with you guys and all of our friends in Cajun Nation, talking some baseball, talking some sports. Cajuns win against Magnese, and the Cajun softball team take care of business against Louisiana Tech. Two for two tonight. Anyway, guys, that's going to do it for Raging Review. For Nick, for Josh, I'm Jerry. In the words of the late, great Big Dave Thibodeau, bye, we out of here. See you next week for more Raging Review. And as always, go Cajuns. You get better.